the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestsellers, all they're hyped up to be. The Terrible Book Club explores whether or not you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. If you've ever seen a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the Terrible Book Club. Hooray, we've made it to three digits. I'm Chris and this is Paris. Hello, welcome. Um, This time we read They Came With the Snow by... Christopher Coleman. Christopher Coleman. (laughs) I had to bring up the notes there for a second. Can you tell we're streaming on Twitch right now? (laughs) Oh, uh, so this book appears to be self-published and debuted in 2017. We read this after it was recommended to us by YouTube user Awful Book Club, a kindred spirit in the realm of reading bad literature. Um, it's also our hundredth episode. What what have we done? Hooray! <laughs> Hooray! Well, yeah. Hooray! But also, what have we done? Uh, so yeah. yeah, this is one one hundred one hundred episodes. Um. We've been doing this, technically, there was a, a first season in 2015 for about six or seven months. And then we kind of stopped doing it for a year and got back got back in the terrible book saddle um, in January of 2017, and we've been running consistently since then. So um, we're, I guess, four full years, just about in five, five full years? Yeah, four full years, yeah. But at the end of this year. Anyway, it's been a long time. 100 episodes it's a lot of episodes we just figured it'd be fun to do something a little different for episode 100 so here we are on twitch for your viewing pleasure or displeasure your viewing indifference i'm not i'm not really sure how you feel about this (laughs) we still read a book so it's not that different but after our book discussion we will be launching into the inaugural terrible book club awards hooray if this is if this if somehow this is your first experience of the terrible book club I guess you chose a, a good time to start because you're actually getting a video feed. We don't do this a lot. Uh, but if this is your first time listening to the show, what we do here is we read books that we assume will be bad and we make this assumption based on their terrible cover or an awkward summary or or something. Um, so typically, we do the opposite of what most people do. Like, you know, you go to a bookstore and you're like, oh, I want to find something I want to read. We walk into a bookstore and go... Tell me, bring me your worst book. You know, bring me to your worst book or whatever. To I have done this before. Chris has done I have this. really legitimately done this before. I think that's how we end- always get weird looks. That's how we ended up with the bookshot and bitchcraft, right? I think. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, bitchcraft I found on my own just digging uh-huh. through shelves, but that's definitely how we got Killer Chef. So bit- bitchcraft was bestowed upon us by Terriblo himself. Um, Terriblo is the terrible book god, got Claude. I've always do that. Terrible book god whom we serve. Um, Anyway, uh, sometimes, though, we do read books that are recommended to us. So, you know, uh, we have 
take recommendations from friends, listeners, people on YouTube, like today. Um, and but most importantly, we read books that our patrons ask us to rec- uh, to read. I don't think I said any of that right. We read books that our patrons <laughs> ask us to read sometimes. Um, today, though, we are reading the selection from a YouTube user, uh, Awful Book Club. Uh, for content warnings today, I mean, we have our usual, usual barnyard language. We're pretty casual podcast in the way that we speak. So there's always some swearing and, you know, things of that nature. But for specific content warnings for the book, we've got some violence and it's got some pandemic-y vibes. So, you know, not not quite the same, but it's got it's got some stuff. Some biological warfare might be the better way to put it. Yeah. All right. Um, I I don't know, Chris. Do you wanna do you wanna go down the the characters, or do you want me to just start in on this fifty eight page piece of trash? I'm, yeah, but there's not a whole lot of substance here, but somehow it's chock full of characters. Hmm. Mm. So we've got fifty eight pages. It's it's a novella. It's very short, and yet in fifty eight pages, these are all the characters we encounter. Dominic Daniels, the main character. Naya, his student and also his mistress. The crabs, humans mutated into monstrous white primate-esque versions of themselves with a crab-like walk. Tom Godfrey, a diner owner. Danielle, a crab refugee. Greg Godfrey, Tom's son. James, a kid they picked up during an exploration. Alvaro, a guy that works at the diner. Gun, Kanika, and Joe, the Thai palace owners, the restaurant next door to the diner, who are crabs now. Terry and Stella, Diner refugees who are actually evil scientists partially responsible for the crabbing, And then Sharon Daniels, Dom's crab wife. So we've got, what was that, 14 characters? Sure. <laughs> In 58 pages. And given some of them are just kind of there for just a short period, like a sentence or two, or mentioned offhand. But that's a lot for 58 pages. How am I supposed to get to know anyone or give a shit about what you're writing? When you're trying to cram as many names into 58 pages as possible, it just, it just doesn't help your cause here. Um, I, th- I think it's it's really they came with the snow is really a modern penny dreadful, um, and as our good friend Ken of the Antiques Freaks would say, the emphasis here is on the dreadful. Uh, this this was this is written as a, a serialized thing. That's why I say it's like a penny dreadful, uh, where you can buy the install the short installment separately from the author. I mean, but again, like none of the characters are real enough to form any attachment to. I would say they don't even rise to the level of cardboard cutout. They're like paper dolls. Like if you can imagine that sort of pretty much writing. they're there to serve like a vague per- the plot itself. So usually lately we've been trying to summarize what happens in the things we read before we get into any sort of long form analysis of it, just to make sure everyone's you know roughly on the same page. So I'm. I didn't write one up this time. I'm just going to go off the cuff because, you know, it's 58 pages. I think I could get all this. Let me know if I miss anything here, Paris. Sure. So essentially, uh, we start with Dom and Naya, who are locked in themselves. They've locked themselves into the university that Dom teaches at because after some weird event that happened, it was a little vague on exactly what happened. There was a blast of some kind, maybe some weird noises. And then it started snowing, and there were things outside that were essentially all white, primate-looking things with beady eyes that walked at you like a crab. And so Dom and Naya locked themselves into the university. For some reason, they're by themselves in there. They were caught by themselves in there somehow. They say they've been there for weeks, and they haven't seen anyone else except the crab-like things outside. 
And when I say crab-like, it's more like white monkey-like. So that's just what the word they used for the monsters. Anyway, they make an escape attempt. Um, they run to across the street where there are some restaurants. They find refuge in one restaurant after the Danielle threatens them with a shotgun for sneaking into a truck that's full of food outside. Um, they find the other people that are not crabs. Um, they make an excursion trying to find uh, supplies or other people. Um, and then uh, a bunch of people die at the hands of the crabs that are in the Thai palace next door. Um, and then they all run away, except when they come back, they find that the two evil scientist people that were amongst the diner refugees are speaking with the army at, like, the outskirts of town, going, yes, twas I, <laughs> us, that did the crabbing. Yes. It all went to plan. And then Dom says, you jerks, and runs away. And then they... And he finds his wife, and he tries to hug her, and it's implied that she tries to kill him. Correct. Yeah. And then that, that goes, that segues into the next uh, book novella in the series the the melting is the melting the melting sorry the melting. <laughs> it's just the melting it's i mean just the normal <laughs> this book should have been called the crabbing because it's very similar to the level of shitty of the happening mm -hmm. but he calls the monsters crabs so i don't know maybe the wind is a is a dumber enemy than this but they're they're pretty pretty close when it comes to really shitty sci-fi horror ideas yeah, I mean, yeah, you know. I just, again, it's like, for me, too, it's 58 pages, and somehow you already figure out the central mystery. Like, I mean, we so spend, like, t 20 pages ruminating on Dom's sort of, like, torrid affair with Naya, and he feels bad about staying no, with her doesn't. instead of his wife, but he really doesn't. <laughs> he says, he all, says he does, but it's clear he does not. He, he really doesn't. And even though at the end of it, he's like, well, I'm just going to go be with my wife and let her murder me or something. He only does that because Naya is murdered by crabs when he tries to make his way to the restaurant on the other side of the street. You know, I fully expected this to actually be an erotic thing of some kind because the title threw me off a little They bit. came with the snow? Yeah, you thought it was you know, gonna be like a like a snow cum joke. Yes. Uh, okay. I mean, I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> like when the snow came, so did we. I don't know. I I think like you know if it's this short, sixty pages. I was like, well, I mean, why else would we be reading that? Well, yeah. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing with this is, I mean, if if you're really gonna write a short piece like this, a short novella. To, for me, there has to be a character focus, you know, which would mean choosing one or two people, maybe three, so that you can create a reasonable level of interest and attachment with your reader. Like, how am I going to identify with 14 people over four? Like, why, why do I care about this story if, all, if the only detail I get is that the main character is an adulterous prick? I mean, that, that's kind of that's how he's presented. He's not presented in a very... Uh, forgiving light, though. Of course, you know you're meant you're supposed to identify with him, but I don't really know who would. <laughs> Secondly, like the scope just needs to be narrowed. If it's not by culling characters, maybe just make this about his and Naya's escape from the university and ending on Naya's death, rather than being all of two paragraphs and then cramming the rest of the shit into the final twenty pages. Like, I mean. It, it, especially since he's written this as a serialized piece, you can draw yeah. it out. It's a penny dreadful. Let's... You can you can just keep people going. And again, if he had just focused on uh, Dom and Naya's 
time in the school and then their escape and ending in her death, we could have gotten a lot more introspection on on his real state of mind. Like we could have spent more time in Dom's head figuring out how he really felt about this. Did he actually feel remorse? We also could have, I don't know, maybe known anything about how Naya felt because that's sure as hell not in this fucking thing. Um, we get no, we get nothing on Naya's internal monologue. And I just think it actually could have been a, it could have been a compelling character portrait, you know, and there would have been a mystery that people would have wanted to know about, which would have made them purchase the next book. I feel like the author wanted to get to the big evil scientist reveal in this. Like, that is what the the end point climax yeah. is, is Dom stepping outside after the run into Thai Palace and finding the one evil scientist going, yes, the plan went like we wanted to. Please pick me up out of here. And then the military going, no, we're, we're jerks too. See you later, asshole scientist. And that uh, that has no buildup, and it's too quick to feel any sense of betrayal when I didn't care about this guy who was in the diner because I've read about him for five pages tops <laughs> in which he appeared, and he said, "Yes, I am here too." So it doesn't. There's no twisting there when he. Oh, he was truly the bad guy all along. When if you're serializing this, like you said, that could have come along later in some other installments. Yeah, and you like could have just settled on Naya and Dom trying to f- figure out a way to get out of the the university while also dealing with, you know, their various guilt about how they ended up here. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's a great point, right? Because if, if the reveal had been later in the series, the author could have spent this time developing trust with these other diner refugees, right? And And all along, you would never know that they were actually evil. So the betrayal would feel like a betrayal by the time you got to it rather than just a scribbled end of this fucking shitty novella. Like I just, and it's not like they (sighs) reveal anything about exactly what was going on here. It's just the scientist talking to some guy in a tank going, yes, we did the test and now there are crabs. So there's not even any explanation beyond these guys did something. Yeah, all they know is that... Well, the the other thing that doesn't make a lot of sense to me is they say when the snow fell, they, they, they seem to puzzle out that when the snow fell, everyone who was outside at the time who was touched by the snow turned into these crabs. So wouldn't you be afraid of going outside in the snow? Wouldn't you be afraid of getting it on you at all? I mean, obviously, I, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm guessing it would have to touch your skin and I'm, they're probably at- wearing outerwear. But like, wouldn't you want to be careful? Because what if when you're taking off your clothes, the snow gets on you, right? I, I just, there, there well, seemed to be no care at all about running around and thrashing about in the snow, even though that's the thing that turned everyone into fucking crabs. At this point, every like, everyone except Dom and Naya had made excursions out, and I assume that there was a test run there, so that's why they're not as concerned about it. But yeah, Dom and Naya should have been mildly more concerned about what if we go outside and that's all it takes to get crabbed here. So something that could have been more interesting tension is just left on the table for the reader to think about and no one else. I mean, and, and I guess there's a possibility that the way that they've puzzled this out is wrong. Uh, perhaps yeah. it was, perhaps they are incorrect about you know, the snow falling on people and causing them to mutate. But I mean, at all, we're, what we're with, what we're given, it seems like the, they could have done more with the that crabs concept. is like a backdrop that was supposed to be more than a backdrop. 
but it's it's once again sort of a cardboard cutout of a post-apocalyptic pastiche here. It's just ah, there's monsters and you got to stay inside. Why or how or anything of that? I we're not going to find out now, but we are going to tell you that this guy in the diner was one of the guys that was responsible for it. Yeah, just, like you you got to the wrong beats too early. Yeah. Um, in both Naya's death and the revelation of one of these people was an evil scientist. Yeah, I, the other, I mean, back to the main character, I mean, the only person you get any perspective from is Dom, the professor, uh, you know, the adulterous professor, and I don't know, once once again, I know we say this a lot, but we say it a lot because it's so common, I don't want to read another story about a presumably white male middle-aged professor who women seem to drool over, because there's, you know... Why is that a character it, I don't know, all it's, the time? Male power fantasies are just very, very common in, in literature, even in things like this, even in pulp stuff. And it's, um, yeah, it's just a bummer. Like, it would have been a lot more effective, again, if we had been in Naya's head. Maybe if we even cut to his wife's inner monologue. And I'm sure that she had some suspicions about what was going on, you know, or or the other people. I mean, it just... It's it's very. I mean, Tom sucks. Bland. Yeah, he his sucks. His whole thing was like, "Wow, I sure was cheating on my wife, but I swear to God, I love her. I want to be with her." But then he's as like, "She is crabbed." But yeah, and he's he's also he's very dismissive of Naya. Um, you know, the whole affair. He's like, "Well, a lot of coeds are hot, but Naya, she really pursued me, and like that's why you know it was easy to have the affair." And he talks about it. It's it's super sleazy, and it just does not endear you to the main character at all. I mean, and there are, there are ways to write, you know, an adulterous male professor that might make you feel some level of sympathy for him. If there were extenuating circumstances, if he really wrote about his remorse, but you know, Naya gets fucking ripped apart by crabs and he's like, ah, too bad. Anyway. So we're, uh, so we're going to go get some meat, right? Like we're going out right now. Like it just, just, it's just a, on a dime. He's also and he's also immediately flirting yes. with the lady that pointed a shotgun at him earlier. So you know, he's like a man, a male character cannot be undesired. Paris, no, they have to be that would, very that would be desirable. Terrible. And all women must flirt with them. They must also flirt back with all women. If not, they are they are an undesirable cuck, as you put it in your notes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can't let that happen. No, can't. How? How? Why would anyone like this main character if he wasn't sexy and and? morally dangerous <laughs> i mean at least we don't get any gratuitous descriptions of anyone it's not like his rippling biceps or her voluminous breasts or anything like that you know um i will say i did appreciate that i appreciate there was no sex scenes or, or like anything that went too over the line it was pretty focused on the action you know you were never uh we never spent too much time on anything else which is weird. I guess it's kind of a, a catch twenty two here, right? Because we're we're like, hey, this story should have gone into more detail, but at the same time, it does its job of being a, a short form pulp piece, right? I just don't think it's very good. My big question is like, if we're talking about, would you recommend this? Of course not. Why the hell would anyone read this when you could watch a TV show or movie with a similar but much better premise in little more time than it takes to read fifty eight pages, like? You could watch The Strain, which has actually kind of simi- a similar-looking monster, but a much yeah, better premise. Not exactly like high cinema or anything no, either, you know. No. Like, w- but I'm saying, like, if you're looking for something pulpy but uh, decent, like, you could watch The Strain. You could, I mean, hell, you could even 
I mean, you could watch Walking the, Dead's a thing uh, that exists. I've never seen it, but you could watch The Thing. And I mean, uh, the remake's okay. The original's best, but you know, an incredible movie with a similar premise about you know people being terrified of this new disease in a snowy environment, and there's a lot of uh, betrayal and and it's horrifying. You know, God, watch the fucking thing. Don't read this. Furthermore. Yeah. If, if you're like, I don't want to watch something, I really want to read something, there's plenty of other horror sci-fi short stories that are so much better. Here's a list. All right. <clears throat> if you're looking for a horror sci-fi short story, don't read They Came with the Snow. Read one of these. Read Exhalation by Ted Chiang, Night Flyers by George R.R. R. Martin, The Time Invariance of Snow by E. Lily Yu, Who Goes There by John W. Campbell, which is actually the uh, text that the thing is based on. Uh, you could also read In Xanadu by Levi Tidhar. So any of those. Yeah, the thing is awesome. There's so many options. There's so many options. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, and that's just like a list of five that I kind of just, uh, actually, several, some of those are, are some that I'm, I'm looking, I actually want to read this, this holiday break. I want to read um, The Time Invariance of Snow and Who Goes There because I've never actually read the text that inspired the thing, and that's so cool to me. But um, there's, just, I mean, there's, of course, even if horror sci-fi isn't your thing, there's plenty of short stories you could read that aren't this. Um. This so. one really reads like a creative writing assignment that got maybe cooked up and turned in two days before it was due. And it might be fine as like a C, you know, in that class where you're like, okay, you got something here, but, you know, let's not jump immediately into the revelation of evil scientists and not dwell on it. You know, it it just feels very kind of by the numbers. E, And then the reveal at the end makes me feel like what, you know, in the next part of the series, what what's even the conflict going to be besides, I guess, trying to find out a little bit more about what happens and finding food and that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Not interesting <clears throat> when there's plenty of other sci-fi stories that did that already way better. Yeah. So that's, that's, they came with the snow by Christopher Coleman. We're not into it. Um, needs a lot yeah, of help. We, we want to do a quick one for this because we think we're going to spend a lot more time on this segment of episode 100. Welcome to the inaugural Terrible Book Club Awards, where we do a sort of retrospective on every single book. We, we're not, we're not going to no, like, talk no, about every single book no. we've read, um, but we've uh, cooked up some categories here, and we've nominated you know a varying array of books depending on what we felt fit into the category. It was free nomination between Paris and I, um, and we're going to approach this with uh, the same method that uh, Giant Bomb uses for their Game of the Year awards. I really like their format that they do, um, in which we have a list of nominations in the category. Um, and once we've named all those, we just start cutting things off, uh, you know, for whatever we feel doesn't fit or deserve an award in this category until we have at least three left. And then we name the one that wins the award with the other two is just unordered runners up, you could say. I think that's a good system. Um, I'd also like to thank all of you listeners and patrons uh, for contributing to help us figure out these categories. We've got some really fun ones that people suggested. And once we're done with the Terrible Book Club Awards, we're also going to answer some questions that were submitted by listeners, patrons, um, and some that Chris and I just dreamed up sort of for each other. So this is Mm -hmm. section two of episode 100. The Terrible Book Club Awards. All right, our first. Okay. All right, our first category, Chris. You want to you want to take it away? Sure. Our first category is biggest surprise. No. So this is anything that you know just sort of was most unexpected or turned out in a way we didn't expect. It's not doesn't necessarily mean the best, but 
just something that, you know, turned out differently, let's say. The nominees are Universal Harvester, Bear, Zarstor's Bane, Demon Pig, A Spectre is Haunting Texas, Swamplandia, The House in the Dark of the Wood, The Secret of Moon Lake, and The Haunted Vagina. So, all right, I'm going to actually request a call, an immediate call. I think we can get rid of a Spectre is Haunting Texas because it had a lot of things I was expecting in it. Um, Sure, it had some I didn't, but there were others on the list that were way more surprising to me. I could, you know, to me, it was just because the description on the back was so out there and bizarre that I was expecting it to be way more trashy than it was. And like, to be clear, it was indeed a very pulpy, trashy kind of thing with this, you know, a man from Mars was very thin in his suit, basically hitting on anything that moved and like acting his way into cultural revolution in like future Texas. Yes. But that came out better than I thought it would, which is why I included it on this list. But I would also definitely seeing all the other things. Yeah, on this list, that's what I mean. Since I just suggested a call, why don't, what, do, what do you think could okay. go? Um, I might go for removing Swamplandia in that case. Okay. I kind of expected that to be something decent instead of some like, again, this was a case of where the back of the book summary where it was like, this takes place in like a gator theme park. And I thought it was going to be something weirder than it was, but it was a a pretty decently thought out. I loved it. I loved that book for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Swamplandia was great. Um, I'll, I'll agree with you because I didn't know anything about it, and I I just thought I was like, I'm not going to be able to identify. I was like, I'm not going to be able to identify with this at all, and then I very strongly identified with one of the main characters, and and it was just, <laughs> it had beautiful, I, I know people joke about the similes in Swamplandia. There's even a Twitter dedicated to all the similes in Swamplandia, but um, the descriptive writing, uh, including those, those maligned similes, I think were just incredible, and um, there were some, of course, some things about the book that I thought were a little odd, but Overall, it was excellent. I've recommended people read it um, as a result. So, yeah, um, I was surprised by how much I liked it, but it it did meet my expectations for, like, wacky Gator Florida family. So wacky it wasn't Gator Florida, Florida, Florida family, family. Wacky, wacky Gator, Gator Florida, Florida family. family. <laughs> okay. Wacky Gator Florida family. <laughs> All right. The so. dynamic's real messed up. Florida family. <laughs> Oh, good, good. Uh, we didn't plan oh, yeah, that, okay. by the way. We never plan these like weird fucking sing-alongs that happen. Um, uh, all right, I'm gonna let's see. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Demon Pig can be taken off. It was a surprise, but it it contained everything I expected it to contain. It was just sure, a little I more artful. Cut, I might cut Zarstor's Bane for the same reason, honestly. Yeah, where it was like they were both these pretty decent fantasy things that. Uh, you know, Zarstor's Bane, Zarstor's just Bane pit- is better. It's better than Demon yeah. Pig. It's way better. I would say that, too. That was just decent fantasy with that wasn't totally by the numbers. I love Zarstor's Demon Pig was sort of by the numbers, but with the silliness of animal protagonists helping it. Kind a- of and, a, a, perpe- and some self-awareness that made it that made it fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I'd, I'd call those two just because I think for biggest surprise, we're really looking for something that just turned us on our heads. Like it wasn't just a little what we didn't expect, but just totally not at all. So I'll get rid of that one. Okay. Um, we're down to five already here. Okay. 
Um, Secret of Moon Lake, I'd get rid of because that was exactly mm. what I thought it was. Because I Wait, expected, was it mm, yeah. I, so I'm going to put up my first fight here, actually. All right, Chris. <laughs> for Gloria Tesh of all people. I mean, in which I think she did do a little bit better. Yeah, I expected, and it to I be was better. surprised by that. I was surprised by the fact that it was a little bit better. No, I wasn't because it her, was not great. <laughs> no, Chris, this is why it's not surprising because we knew her father was out of the picture. And we knew that he was responsible for how broken the English was. I, sorry, I hate to say it this way, but it's the truth. Um, it was very obvious that her father or maybe her father and mother, who are both um, kind of older immigrants to the U.S., uh, were responsible for the the text being poorly written because they, they apparently didn't consult any editors. And I mean, it just was written in a in a way that clearly a, uh, even a child didn't write just for syntax and grammar reasons. So knowing that he was no longer involved, I expected it to be better. I didn't expect it to be great. And it indeed wasn't great, but it was better. It was an improvement. Um, it was very much what I expected it to be. I don't think I was expecting mm. the Viking stuff, but I was expecting, you know, mermaid story. <laughs> you know. I mean, I would say, here's the thing. I would say the secret of Moon Lake was more surprising than the house in the dark of the wood to me. I I don't think so at all. No. Okay, so the house in the dark of the wood, I I saw when we read the summary for that that it would be sort of this darker fairy tale sort of thing, and I kind of got what I paid for in, or what I bargained for in that. And you know, I wasn't expecting it to be drastically bad. Yeah. I, just to me, the margin of improvement in the Secret of Moon Lake was a bigger surprise to me than what I read on the back of The House in the Dark of the Wood and then proceeded to read. I, mm. I This isn't a value judgment on yeah, yeah. the quality of each book. It's just in terms of my expectation, I would rather cut The House in the Dark of the Wood, perhaps even Universal Harvester, before I cut The Secret of Moon Lake from Biggest Surprise. Mm. Yeah, I mean, The House in the Dark of the Wood, I... I expected it to be like rambly trash based on, you know, the recommendation. And I ended up really loving it because I don't know, I'm a sucker for dark fairy tales. And I just think that the way that that the topic, the way that like, w you know, sort of colonial medieval question mark woods, witches were um, addressed in this book was very different um, from, you know, what is typically a very tired cliche. So for me, it was surprising in that way. But I will agree with you that it wasn't as surprising as I thought, but not, not, I mean, Secret of Moon Lake to me just wasn't surprising at all. Okay, <sighs> so let's, let's focus on another part of this list to see if we can call, because then Universal Harvester. While I was surprised sort of by how much I liked it, I don't think I would be surprised by sort of the quality coming from yeah, it. Yeah, I think we can get rid of that one, because I also, I was surprised, yeah, it was, it was more of a mild surprise. <laughs> Yeah, um, where I was like, okay, well, this guy is a well-renowned lyricist for an indie folk right. kind of outfit. And so you would kind of expect him to be somewhat decent based on that, I, I mean, say. the yeah, and I expected it to be like a seedy Twin Peaks kind of thing. And it was. So, yeah, we can, sure. we can get rid of Universal Harvest. All right, yeah. So, All right. so now we're down to four here. You know, which oof, is, this is hard. This the is Haunted Vagina, hard. Secret of Moon Lake, House in the Dark of the Wood, and Bear. I'm I'm actually I'm gonna cling to Bear and the Haunted Vagina. Uh, just I'm just gonna. Cling. I think that's top top two material. Yeah, honestly. I agree. And um, now we're just <clears throat> fighting for the third spot here between the House in the Dark of the Wood and the Secret of Moon Lake. Fuck. Which is a tough third. 
Ugh. Or, you know, at least runner up. I, I don't want to actually put any value judgment on, like, you know, whether what came in second or third. Yeah, here. yeah, that's fine. Uh, So, which, I don't know, if, if anyone's listening and they have any arguments we haven't considered, please feel free to drop them in the in the Twitch chat. But I guess when I'm thinking biggest I, surprise, I'm thinking just wholly not what we expected. And for me, again, the secret of Moonlight was almost exactly what I expected. Um, because... Again, Gunther Tesh was out of the picture, so Gloria was writing on her own. Um, so I was like, well, it'll probably be a little better. I didn't think it was going to be, again, I didn't think it was going to be great. I know I already said this, but, and it was about, you know, a mermaid thing. I guess I didn't really expect the Viking sort of horrorish element, but it made sense given what we know of her interests and her previous work. I just don't think it yeah, was especially as... especially the mermaid stuff. I just don't think it was so radically... It, I mean, it would be a big surprise if it was an excellent novel. Then it would certainly sure. win big surprise, but it wasn't. It wasn't even... It was, again, we're, we're talking in relative terms here. It was better than Maradonia. Quite, oh, yeah, quite, sure. quite a bit better than Maradonia, I would even say. But that still doesn't make it... <laughs> I don't know. It you wasn't... Know, I, uh, yeah, I don't think I'm willing to put up too much of a fight on uh, Gloria Tesh's behalf here. So I think we can cut our... <laughs> Th- top three here for this all category right. down. All right. Still still a surprise, but not as big of a surprise, given what we knew. So now we have to talk about... All right, House in the, the Dark of the Wood vagina. is... House in the Dark of the Wood is third, obviously, I think. And then... Yeah. All right, so it's up to... We can to... talk about the haunted vagina and bear here, which somehow <laughs> both, like, the... Like, Heavy on the vagina. erotic stuff. Heavy on the somehow vagina. Somehow the... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, this is hard because... You know what? I mm, this is difficult because Bear and the Haunted Vagina were both so so much different than we expected. I mean, what we're we're going into both of them knowing there was going to be sexual surprising and horrifying sexual content in vastly different ways. Oh um, yeah, like in we one, know there's that. skeletons inside a whole world in a vagina, yeah. and in the other one, someone's being intimate with a bear. So, you know, different kinds of horror there. Yeah, very different. Um, Although, decidedly, Bear is not written as a horror story. No, no, no. Bear, Bear is a... On a I recommend you read Bear, actually. It's an excellent uh, novella. It's only a hundred and something page, or maybe a little more than a novella, but it's a short book. Um, it's, you know, certainly not... It's not an easy read, but it's a heartfelt one and a good one that really, yeah, really got to me, that book. So... God, yeah, this is so fucking hard. The Haunted Vagina should have been way more of a train wreck than it was. And it wasn't. It wasn't at all. It's definitely so bizarre in, like, a lot of ways, but it's a sort of creative bizarre. It is definitely specifically put out there as, like, yo, this is, bro, you want something weird? It's not trying to, like, be more than it is. Yeah. it, the marketing behind it was explicitly like, yo, this this is some weird shit, man. It's not supposed to be necessarily thought provoking. It's just bizarre fiction. But it kind that... of it kind of ended up being thought provoking. I mean, the author created these very believable characters in an unbelievable world, and it was it was surprisingly um real for something that was so wacky. <laughs> so. So I, unreal in a way. Yeah. Because you have people crawling inside of another person's body and finding a whole world in there. 
Yeah. You know, like being John Malkovich, except the tunnel is a, a, a vagina. And, so. and yeah, and I know, I know it sounds really weird that we're arguing for this being decent, but you know, it's it, like Chris said, it's very upfront about the type of thing you're getting into this bizarro fiction and that it's, it's heavily, you know, sexual, but, but the sex stuff wasn't even, I feel like it was handled so much better. I, I am saying this, a man literally spelunking into a vagina and having adventures was somehow handled better than most of the books. <laughs> oh god! Yeah, you, knowing us being like sex scene averse, this, it was written as really gross and weird. Yeah, because it was what was happening. Oh, and maybe that's what like made it palatable for us in some weird way. Um, Senia in the chat says, also quite surprising that a brewery had guest rooms. Yeah, you're right. That was a <laughs> <Yeah>. hilarious, <laughs> weird thing. Like. A a hotel, a a brewery hotel, like not a hotel with a brewery, but a brewery with some sketchy motel rooms. I kind of want more of that. I've seen that on Airbnb, though, Paris. I've seen that on Airbnb. Yeah, I mean, after that, so you know, maybe 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 some this inspired people somehow. Maybe someone was like, "Yo, I read Carl Milk the Third. He's got ideas." (laughs) Um, Okay, so uh, I guess in comparison to Bear, God. Were you more surprised that Bear was good than The Haunted Vagina was good? No, I was more surprised that The Haunted Vagina had good had redeeming qualities. I expected I might agree with you there, yeah. Paris. So uh, we might have found our <laughs> oh. first award receiver All right. on the Terrible Book Club mm-hmm. Awards then. All right, biggest surprise. Are you, are you willing to 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 lock in that with me? Yeah, here? let's just do it cuz I don't I mean, we got a lot of categories. <laughs> Sure. I don't, you know, I w- yeah. W- congratulations to The Haunted Vagina. Carl Mellick III, you were our biggest surprise. <laughs> our so first far. award winner. The biggest surprise out of hundreds, a hundred books that we've read. Maybe more than that at this point. And with the with the um, runner up, The Wonderful Bear, a, bu- a book I do recommend you read. Strangely, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend The Haunted Vagina unless, unless you really want to read some fucking weird shit. Um, yeah, you you really got to be looking for something that is completely out there. All right. Well, let's hear it for so the Haunted Vagina comp- Bear <laughs> and the House in the Dark of the Wood. Yay, our biggest surprises. Oh, you know what? Weirdly, um, those are all from the last like two years, the last year and a half. Sure. I mean, it's, you know, concerning how far back we're reaching here, we're probably just going to end up having better memories about things like this. And who knows when we start doing this, you know, the next time we come around to this, maybe it'll be a little bit more often so we don't have to think about that. But All right. Speaking then- of bizarre, let's go into the next category, which is probably one of the ones I've been most looking forward to, Paris. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Would you like to present this one? Sure. Um, I'm Paris from the Terrible Book Club here to present the nominees for the category of Most Insane Unholiest Abomination. Our nominees are The Eclipse of Darkness, I'm Living But I'm Not Alive, The Virus of Desire, Growing Around, The Maradonia Series in its entirety, The Haunted Vagina, Selfie Showdown, Mazeppa the Wolfhound, Moon People 1 and 2, and The Stain of Time version 2, more than a Trent Reznor biography. A true gem in the TBC back catalog. Oh. This is, we may have, we may have, <laughs> it's going to take a long time. What a season, what a, what a series of competitors, Paris. <laughs> this is going to immediately, just cutting from the bottom here is going to be pretty tough, I would say. 
All right. The most unholy or the unholiest abomination. Um, the most unholy, oh. most unholy abomination. Oh. I think that's that's the better way. to Yeah. So, OK. Yeah. So. So. And for this, you know, we're considering like just totally. I already know what is number one in my heart. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. You're being very strong about this already. But I also, I also know what number two is for me and number three. Oh, wow. Coming out the gate. Do you want to start from that end or do you want yeah. to just try to cut from the bottom? All right. Okay. Number Paris. one's got to be the eclipse of darkness, Chris. That broke oh, you as a person. <laughs> it really did snap my brain in half in a way that I was unprepared for from all angles, yeah, I would say. It was utter madness. If you have not listened to episode 50, the eclipse of darkness was um, submitted to us. It was an anonymous submission. The person wanted to Which rem- just makes it scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the person wanted to be anonymous because of their uh association with the person who wrote it. And so we got this anonymous recommendation. I'm like, all right, let's check this out. And I'm like, oh, the oh, the art's weird. It, it was just like this this um this very, very steep ski slope of bizarreness. Like once you notice one thing, you're like, oh, that's weird. Oh no. Oh, oh God. Ah! <laughs> you're starting with the cover, and then you're getting into the weird intros that say, get ready for the most mind-bending thing. Okay, are we starting the story it's now? It's starting. And then you get to the insane factory where the main character works with <laughs> nuclear explosion posters and electric chairs that are being made. Uh, with crowns of thorns and cushions, and then you're into the other world out of evolution, and then you hit Nixon Man, and oh, then and we hit the chicken. two monks with the dream machine. Oh, and then there's the ostrich man that just makes cameos throughout the book, and we have no idea what that was sure. about. Oh, oh also, yeah. this wasn't a book. It was a screenplay, but since Chris, Chris and I had no experience reading screenplays, um, I actually reached out to uh, the screenwriters of Reddit, who were lovely, by the way. Um, I think our, our screenwriting, I think, or screenwriters, they were great. I was like, Something hey, like you know, we're, we're a podcast, I explained. And I was like, well, someone recommended this to us, but we don't really understand what a screenplay is supposed to be. You know, our initial impression is that this is batshit insanity, but we just want to make sure that we're not wrong. And everyone was like, yo, a screenplay is supposed to be like a handful of pages. Like, even for a full movie, screenplays are pretty short. Like, this is, they were like, I don't know what this is. People were horrified. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like what have you done? Why, why have you put this here? Yeah, I was like, thanks. Uh, and they took it in stride. They so, did. You know. They were lovely. Screenwriters of Reddit. Thanks a lot. But that one, I mean, it was just, it was a screenplay, not a book. There were, the the grammar, the writing was weird. And you could tell it was earnest, which made it kind of sad because it was so strange. I, I, I still don't quite understand the point the book was trying to make. God Even batteries. now, having thought about yeah, God, God batteries. battery, and also we're bad because we live in evolution. Yes. We and that li- is bad. Correct. I don't really know how we're supposed to not live. There's another world out there that we're right. supposed to tap into with the all the demons. The unseen world, right? Was that what and the called? evil Bronick Man is doing something. <laughs> Evil, yeah, Bronick man. We don't know what Bronick. We still have no idea. No, it was the word was evil. Evil Bronick. Evil Bronick. Yes, evil Bronick. So I mean, we've we've got everything. We got made up words, uh, confusing, insane plot, no clue what the real point is, strange character names and descriptions. 
uh, over-sexualization of female characters. I mean, it's really, that's, The Eclipse of Darkness is the number one unholy abomination. Yeah, you know, (laughs) I think in my heart, too, that's always been the truth. Because that's the the one I always kind of recommend to people when they're like, okay, but what should I, like, start with? And I'm like, if you can handle episode 50, you can hang with us for nearly anything. Yeah. Um, And then my number two is actually. Here's where we might, (laughs) we're fighting for the runners up. Yeah, yeah. So my number two is actually the Stain of Time version two, more than a Trent Reznor biography, because that's about a real ass person. And this this author, this author wrote a biography of Trent Reznor, but they the author claims, this woman claims that, fuck, I'm trying to remember exactly that. He's like a body hopping demon that is reincarnated. No, 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 he's not a demon. He is a reincarnation of previous people and she says that she got all this information by talking to a demon through a pendulum so like Mm, uh. i mean it's one thing if you have a made-up story that's kind of nuts but like insert like taking this real person's life and being like they're a reincarnation i found out because i talked to a demon through a swinging rock (laughs) like okay okay? that's a little much so to me, right, that's number two. <laughs> Nothing can top well, then by that. The same, by, by the same thing, isn't Mazeppa the Wolfhound even crazier? No, because there, it had a lot of real facts in it. We just didn't know because they were written <laughs> so poorly. There's some real fa- Despite the fact that it's about an immortal dog and woman who <laughs> raised an immortal dog and caused these dogs to, like all of the dogs of this, the Salukis, from all existence were created by this one woman and her immortal dog. But, but here's the that thing. That she breastfed? Hey, you can breastfeed dogs. We found this out, remember? We were really wrong. The yeah. author was like, you're wrong about everything. We were like, fuck, oh, yeah. I guess you're this right. Was guy, <laughs> this was the guy that, in Facebook comments, decided to catalog everything he thought was factually incorrect with our analysis. <sighs> Even the stuff that was, de- like, he, he was very convinced about this immor- immortal woman, I'm pretty sure, Paris, like... I, I think he was fully on board with that part. No, I don't think he was. It just seemed like he was in the text of the book, and we were confused by that. He was like, oh, no, that's just fiction. I'm like, well, you wrote about it like it was real, though. <laughs> so anyway, to me, the do- the crazy dog lineage book, I don't think it's as bad because it's not claiming that anyone in existence now is a part of this, you know? like True. But, you know, I don't even know how much in terms of Unholiest Abomination I care about, like, them selling that this is a real angle. Because then you have stuff like The Virus of Desire, which is uh, also a, almost as equally brain-twisting as The Eclipse of Darkness Yeah, but that was, point. but that was, that, no, that, that's automatically disqualified because it was intended to be that way. When things but, are I intentionally mean, still, I, that no, way. I don't think that disqualifies it, though, because if you still get something that jumps from anime fan fiction into, like, you know, the literal embodiment of the coronavirus trying to romance someone, and then also random scenes between, uh, like, Chinese characters that have no bearing whatsoever but on it, what's going on. Yeah, but... It, and then business meetings, like, uh, with co- coronavirus attending and... Yeah, but this didn't I, that, come from a real... Pr- I mean, this we know it's AI written. I mean, we... You know, the author reached out to us. I just don't think that that qualifies because we're trying to find things that are unintentionally crazy. Like, I think someone's saying... Think un- I don't think unintentionally is part of this category for me, Paris. So, you know what? Oh, Let's cast our gaze upon some of these other ones. <sighs> see if they're an easier cut. 
All right. Um, like moon people one and two. Like that's are, crazy, but it's not as crazy, crazy as, uh, as like that's out there. And it's very Mary Sue in a lot of places. Yeah, and it's but poorly this, written, it's, but it's not like, yeah, it's not. Despite the microwaving Mars idea <laughs> to create new life, which is by far the most out there thing. I think it's all. It's also there. presented as fiction. So like, it's not. It's not as true. Nuts. I'm, you know what? Let, let's remove that from the okay. running. Um, and, like, same thing with like growing. I mean, growing I'm also, around. I'm going to take out Haunted Vagina because I don't. I don't think we should. We just awarded it. It's definitely unholy in a, in a way. And it's an abomination of sorts, but it's a it's a weirdly, weirdly I think welcoming that's case abomination. Of the, in, the, in, the, in, the intention being and like and if I'm like letting intention come through, then I would rather take the virus of desire over that one in terms of unholiness. Okay, so we'll get so rid of. I would rather drop that. Okay, that's fine. I also think I'm living, but I'm not alive. Was bad, but it followed like regular story beat stuff there was yeah know? there was coherence there yeah it was very poorly edited and had a lot of hilarious lines that's the one where the editor actually reached out to us and was like you should read this because <laughs> this guy a- asked me to edit this and didn't he like almost didn't pay him and he would just reject all of the edits that he made and it was this crazy thing um so but yeah i i don't think it's doesn't rise to the level of unholy about some of these other yeah. things over here um uh, so all right we got selfie showdown oh, kind of God, by the same that is really stock. insane yeah that's crazy because that also involves that's just heavily misogynist more than like unholy i would yeah, say it's a very weird take on it's a very weird take on uh feminism <laughs> um yeah it's this man. I don't know if, if women are still sex objects, but because they can fight each other, that's pro women. Because somehow. they can fight each other while being sexy, <laughs> yeah, they're an elevated form of woman. Um, yeah, it's a very strange. I mean, if if you if listeners or watchers, if you've never listened to that episode, it's it's an odd one. I don't even know. I don't know how we found that one. I think some, someone recommended it to us. I just but. I found it. I think because like the, the author would release a bunch of the pieces with a bunch of different covers of random women on the cover, basically to just attract someone who was horny. Well, no, he for his his whole deal was that he's also a photographer and he's trying to make this into a movie. He has audio CDs. I mean, you could look it up and presumably buy these things. So he pays women to model for him, but. I mean, he doesn't really have a doesn't really have the eye, if you ask me, for photography. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's you know that's my opinion, but I think that most people would be in agreement that even if you're taking sexy, suggestive photos, you know, you can do it in a way that's artful. Uh, perhaps even has lighting and isn't just your backyard and a fence. Yeah, I don't know. these look uh, like it's... quick, you know, social media shots that probably wouldn't even rise to the cream of the crop on, like, Instagram posts. Yeah, and he, he hires like... all these women routinely to try to start making films of these ideas to create this sort of media empire of, I forget what, what it's is called. What is with, it's called, like, these authors and, like, multimedia like things when they can't even get one medium straight? Yeah, that, that's, that's definitely a mistake we've seen made time and again. It's like, you know, just focus your craft on one thing at a time. You can't be making, you know, audio CDs and movies and books and I mean, I screenplays. Say- and it's just... <laughs> 
in terms of like this is a, a side note from here but the only per the one person out of the catalog that we've read that was sort of successful at that and that's stretching the idea of successful was rich shapiro oh yeah yeah i mean he because least... his books were like semi-coherent and like the music that went along with it was like palatable in a way i mean it's not for me but so, i could see how someone yeah. else could like it yeah, yeah i mean it was, and also so... rich shapiro got better over time I'm actually surprised so, yeah. that we didn't talk about too far when we were talking about surprises, but um, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, I think you're right. He he does it. You know, he at least there's effort there. You know, his his website looks okay. Um, you know, he's had some. He's definitely committed some book sins. It's pretty grievous book. Should sins, we throw but... wild animus into the unholiest abomination consideration here while we're on Rich Shapiro? Fuck. But like. Not really, I would say, in compare like it would immediately get cut in comparison to some of this other stuff. Too. Well, I think we also just didn't include anything from the lost episodes and Wild Animus is a lost episode. So True, but like you know, worth bringing up momentarily here. Actually, if I somebody, think if most, someone you know has what? wild animus I'm putting it under most toxic message. That's it's sure. Actually, yeah, let's let's Yeah. Yeah. Um uh, anyway, or most disappointing character arc. Ooh. Yeah, we can maybe get to that. Okay. But let's finish up this category yeah. here. Okay, so how about growing around? Oh, that one's that one's bad, but it's bad in in the way that it's terrible for children and not yeah. It's bad for its intended audience, but I. It's not completely. I, out no, there. I think the, like, the some author, of the consequences of the world are yeah. Like the author had good intentions, and he really he tries. <laughs> yeah, he tries. You know, there's more effort, and. Even though there's a lot of like plot holes and logical inconsistencies, there's less than in some of these other ones. Yeah. And I wouldn't even like put it on third in comparison to like I would rather have the virus of desire yeah, before okay. I had. Yeah, let's take growing off around. growing around. Because I think we're gonna talk about that one more in the next uh in the next one. Sure. So we, we should also take selfie showdown out while we're at it at this point. Really? Because... You wanna take selfie showdown out? I mean, do you really think that mm. that's it like that again mm. there's some mild coherence to it it's just mortal combat but with sexy ladies yeah and like a really misogynist plot and let's really say. And like, really it's, poorly it's, it's, again, it's the editing mm. and the proofreading that is the most unholy part of that more than the whole package i, I don't know say. i all right fine would you either have like mazeppa the wolfhound over that or something no i think <sighs> yeah i'd rather take mazeppa the wolfhound out Okay, you know what? Yeah, all right, fine. Um, I, I would. I guess I would take that out. All right, so I'm still going to fight hard for the virus of desire being called. I'm happy leaving Maradonia and Selfie Showdown as unholy abominations because... Oh, okay, yeah, we're fighting for third again here, really. Because, you know, I, I still have... I don't know if Maradonia... You're, no, you're, number, t you're number two... It's it's really the conception of how that was created that is more wild than anything else. No, in but the book. it's also wild because it includes. It's like, so if if you've never listened to that episode, I actually don't remember what number it is. It might be thirty eight, thirty seven. I think it might be thirty seven. Not sure. You can check on the website, but um, it volleys between chapters about you know, following basic facts of Trent Reznor's life, like where he grew up and where he worked and blah, blah, blah. And then the next chapter will be like, 1648, France. Claude <laughs> is in love with his cousin, Pierre, <laughs> or whatever. And it's it just it turns into this... <laughs> and you're like, That's what, true. Is, what is she talking no, about? like, 
through line between a lot of it, those things, it, except that apparently someone was having a shared reincarnated existence. Yeah, and then someone gets like lit on fire at the end, and yeah, was, I was like very pregnant. unclear. I, yeah, it. I just there okay. is something about that that's wild beyond just having a bad fiction idea. Because again, right. it's like serious. <laughs> okay, it's definitely in the top three then. Yeah. But okay. So Maradonia then. Maradonia, I don't, I think Maradonia had a lot of, it was a lot of misguided people. Yeah. I, I don't. And there's a lot of random shit in there popping up, like Oracle Frogs, also, you know, all kinds of evil demons that are, whose powers are never really fully explained on exactly what they can do and what they can't do. Mm. The cold light waves will forever stay with me as uh, I don't even understand what was happening there. Cold was light this waves. supposed to be laser beams? Or? Uh, yeah, probably lasers. I think, wait, are lasers hot? I don't know. <laughs> are lasers hot or cold? Uh, not sure. Did not. All right, you go get that. a laser pointer, shine it on your skin for a couple minutes and see what happens. Um, I know it's, I mean, can't go in your eyes. That's not that's not good. They okay. will blind you. Bad. It's, it's hot on the eyes. We'll uh, yeah. So. <laughs> I, I just think right. Maradonia well, isn't. I also just think it's not. Again, it's like people with good intentions. Just. I guess it's it's in a, the background is an abomination, right? Because you have these two parents just like using their daughter as a prop and stringing her along in this crazy, these crazy lies and sort of turning her into an unwitting charlatan, which is very just evil but again i don't think i don't think the parents were intending to be bad to be evil right like they they thought they were doing a good thing and the series is bad but it's just it's paint by numbers fantasy run through bad google translate like that's kind of all it is um i can agree so i don't think that that deserves the the most unholy abomination i'm gonna i'm gonna remove that sure you know what i won't fight too hard so that basically means it's between the selfish showdown and the virus of desire in terms of unholiest abomination i'm gonna and i would rather go with the virus of desire for this chris i'm gonna you know what we gotta get in this we gotta get in this barbed wire cage and fight (laughs) it out uh you're really going to bat for selfie i am because i think again my whole thing is like the virus of desire is crazy but it it was meant to be that way and it, it was made you know, by it was but, curated AI garbage. Anyone can anyone can do that. Um, so you're going like selfie showdown is a little bit more like free range, organic, yeah, free, yes. wildness. Yes, our our authors get the the most grass to run around on here at selfie showdown. I just th- <laughs> well and. Remember, the author sent us this ranting message that we just never replied to because it was so long. We just were True. like, he was like, I'm going to become a patron. And we were like, yeah, okay. And of course he never did. <laughs> but then he didn't. Of course, <laughs> of course didn't. not. I, I think, and again, we try, we try not, we, we have a policy of, you know, not responding to things like that. Cause it's, what does it matter? But, um, yeah, yeah I just think that the whole idea of like, I'm going to create a media empire of tricking young women looking to get into modeling to take pictures for me and then try to make them be in movies. And by the way, it seems like the movies don't ever really become anything i think they're just a bunch of scenes not cut together just just back to back i mean it's difficult to determine and we didn't want to spend any more money investigating this so i just uh, it just seems especially crazy to me Mm. Mm. 
Uh, you know, I guess it's we're talking about the difference between intention upon making versus the result. Whereas the virus of desire, the result is more wild, but the intention isn't. Whereas with selfie showdown, it's like the intent and creation and backstory is far more wild. I mean, I still think the result. The, the result is pretty fucking insane too. Uh, don't get me wrong, selfie showdown. I mean, selfie it's more showdown coherent than virus of desire. Yeah, but. Again, Virus of Desire wasn't written by a person. It is pretty close. It is pretty close and kind of like the randomness of scenes. So you know what, Paris? Fine. Fine. Thank you, Chris. I mean, we're, we're fighting you, for third here isn't as important as like really, you know, highlighting the true winner of this category. Um, the Eclipse of Darkness. Oh, seriously. Which is but far and away, if you want to hear some out there ideas, <laughs> check out episode 50. I would not recommend reading that book by yourself unless, like, you have, like, a trip guy, like, someone, like, a trip babysitter for you <laughs> to, like, just make sure you're doing okay yeah, as you I, go through it, which I, is what we were doing for each other as we read through that thing, essentially. Yeah, I would actually be wary of ingesting the Eclipse of Darkness while under the influence of any substance because you might start to be very confused about what is real and what is not. Do not. All okay. right, so let's give it up for Most Unholy Abomination, the Eclipse of Darkness. Alright, congratulations. Number two, the state of time, and number three, selfie showdown. Alright. Congratulations. Oh man. Um We still got categories here, Paris. I know. I'm just organizing. I'm or cleaning up this <laughs> document. Um Okay. While you're doing that, I can present our next category. Alright. The next category is most toxic message. Oh god, this is gonna be hard. The nominees are Ho Tactics, Growing Around, The Sword of Truth series, <laughs> Woman Worship, The Silent Patient, Ma, Can I Be a Feminist and Still Like Men, and Wild Animus. Okay, all right. Um, I think we can call... Um, I need to plug my laptop in. I think we can call... <laughs> Woman worship. Uh, get ready for this very wonderful segment of Paris needs to plug the laptop in. Um, yeah, I think we can call woman worship and Ma can I be a feminist and still like men. Those are my my initial. Feelings. I you know yeah like they're they're not as toxic. I would I only put Ma can I be a feminist up there just because it that the title there seems pretty self yeah, in terms I, of like yeah. yes you can That's of course true. you can. That's true. You know, there's reasons to not like men plenty of, I will say, but, you know, to roundly cut that off. Um, and, it, you know, it wasn't all the way in, in that camp, I would say, either. But at the same time, uh, yeah, it, def it definitely has worth some... a consideration, worth a nod in this I category. Agree. I agree. So it's very. So maybe cut that and uh, woman worship while, you know. Very hard to plug. Putting putting you know women on a pedestal here, let's say in a way that can't be healthy, isn't yeah. you know at, at, as bad as some of the other things that we've seen here. In, in terms, like he you know just really thinks that lame poetry is the way <laughs> to prove your love. Yeah, like really lame poetry. Yeah, it's not. I mean, but I don't think. If anything, I mean, I think that he the author tries to be like, hey, you should love. You know, you should stick with your woman, you know, love her no matter what yes. she looks like now, even if she's a little sure. chubbier or a little shorter than she used to be or whatever, you know, you shrink yeah. shrinking grandma. The toxicity, grandmas. 
the toxicity there is the level of like you know uh deification almost that we get to yeah yeah and um and also because women are people too yeah there's, up yeah the, tox- the toxicity there is that there's no nuance uh, it's women yeah. are just glorious goddesses and untouchable and you just should worship them as the title suggests um and well i think that you know you should i just think you should you should worship your partner regardless of their gender affiliation <laughs> you know it should yeah. be called partner worship is what it should be called <laughs> all right so let's call woman worship and yeah. ma can i still be a feminist from this list for now i agree um, they're not nearly as horrifying think, as i think at that point we can cast our gaze upon the silent patient Ooh, yeah, Silent Which, Patient had a, just a lot of weird, bad things going on. Especially in terms of how to treat someone that is seeking treatment for uh, mental issues, I would say, and the way that, you know, providers should be handling. I mean, ostensibly the main character is a bad provider because he is uh, he's the murderer in the end, turns out, right? So obviously yeah. he wasn't going to be a great care provider in the first place. And perhaps his ideas are meant to be toxic, but it's not like really like that part is pushed back upon, like how he goes about sort of, you know, possibly intimidating his patients subtly, you could say. Um, so, uh, you know, while toxic, perhaps not as bad as the other handful. Yeah, of, I, um, I agree. The silent patient <clears throat> has a toxic message in terms of, I don't know, because their, their, tox- their messages are toxic for people with mental illness and it's fucked yeah. up like and, and the you know people with people who are neurodivergent or who have some kind of you know ailment that they you know let's say have to take medication for they face so much scrutiny and bad press as it is and to see this book so well renowned you know because it's like oh. you know it's like a bestseller and all that stuff yeah. and, it's, and it just kills me that we've got another thing another piece of media out there touting these shitty negative incorrect stereotypes and, and making mental illness just seem like yeah actually <sighs> while we're on that i need to uh, once again raise for consideration but probably going to be called pretty quickly as well um all in a row that play oh my god i forgot about that oh i'm putting that in the list yeah all in a row is fucking nightmarish christ all in a row i would like in terms of like yeah okay yeah yeah yeah. let's get rid of the the lesser version all right i've i've called silent patient now we have all in a row because that that's a similar problem but all it's all rows much more egregious in the way that it's yeah where they're presenting a neurodivergent person as like inherently sort of um um, wild you know, animal. Date, like, it, yeah. Like, oh God. Oh God, I forgot about that. Oh, oh. Just getting okay, old. So maybe we'll come back to that in a moment. And all right. Maybe um, we should talk about wild animus. I think we can get rid of sort of truth series because it sucks. But every hero's journey story kind of has the same problematic messaging. I guess I would say that too. Um, I mean, I for me, a lot of the toxicity comes from my understanding of what happens with Richard later in the books, where he becomes, like, way more of a political mouthpiece. Right. And also, like, explicitly, you know, cordons off magic people from non-magic people by just, like, creating a different world where they can, you know, live separately. This sort of, like, segregation idea. Oh, my say, God. That what? That happens? Yeah, like, basically, Richard becomes God and is able to just, like, say, hey, okay, all the magic people can live here and all the non-magic people can live here. And then there's no problems. That sets a very 
horrifying and dangerous precedent. But that's not necessarily in what we read so that is far. Not, so I don't yeah. know if we mm-hmm. want to like, you know, so maybe, yeah, I wouldn't mind calling that for now. Yeah. Perhaps if we get deeper into sort of truth later, mm. it might make a reappearance. All right. So we've got wild animus all in a row growing around in Ho Tactics. So this last cut's going to be going to be a deep one. Um, I think I might get rid of wild animus before any of these other ones. Yeah, I mean, Wild Animus, yeah, you're probably right, because Wild Animus, while the top, so Wild Animus is a lost episode, so I'm guessing many of you never heard it unless you're an OG listener from 2015, but if you didn't listen to TVC in 2015, then you would never would have heard it. Um, Wild Animus is a book by Rich Shapiro. It became, it became, (laughs) it became, um, much maligned over Rich's uh, advertising tactics. He would get dressed up in a, in a goat suit and just hand them out on, on campuses. Um, he, he, I, mm, I'm trying to remember. He would just give them to libraries and bookstores. It was like a book that people, like people mm-hmm. got it because like they, he just kept handing copies of it to people. Yeah. And it's, it's very, uh, it's prose is intensely purple, a very deep shade of purple. Uh, and it's got some toxic messaging about relationships and what's important in life. For example, the main character's whole thing is to become a goat. Yeah. Yeah. To become he a he goat. wants to become a goat. A mountain and Get goat. in touch with the goat god that is on top of a mountain. And he makes his girlfriend work as a waitress to completely support his hallucinogenic habit. Yeah. His hallucinogenic goat costume habit. Yeah. This, I know this, it's actually written quite seriously, which is why it's all the more absurd. Um, anyway, I think we can cull it because the other yeah. things in these, in this category the are just far more heinous. Are, yeah. I would say, so what we're left with in terms of our top three are Ho Tactics, um, Growing Around and All in a Row. Chris, and I think all of those deserve a top spot. Chris. What? We forgot Melanie's Marvelous Measles. That's true. That needs to be there. True. That's okay, so literally we're, we're a toxic at- message. True, that's the anti-vax book. For which, children. <laughs> for children. Oh, okay. So you know what? I think in that case, it's a competition between Melanie's Marvelous Musicals and Growing Around. Because those are both toxic for children messages. Oh, that's true. I think Melanie's Marvelous them, Musicals is obviously worse because that can lead to literal uh, death. So I don't... I, yeah. yeah growing Around is more about like, you know, never having to grow up or like, you know, how children should treat adults and vice versa. Which is just sort of this misguided sort of alternate take where kids are in control and therefore, you know, they're... I don't even know if it was necessarily pushing that their, like, unrepentant chaos that they caused was better than adults or anything. It was really just sort of like, what would happen if kids were in charge kind of a thing. Yeah, which... and the problem there is that the the main character child who you're supposed to identify with, you know, as a child reading this book, you're supposed to be like, Sally, you know, Sally, whatever her name is. Uh, you know, that's the one you're supposed to root for. And she's just really cruel uh, in a lot of ways and abusive. Uh, And it's, it's, it's really gross. Um, God, I hate to rank, like, I hate to rank like physical ills over mental ills, but, but Melanie's marvelous measles straight up is like, don't get vaccinated, eat fruits and veggies and go outside in the sun. It's like, yeah, Yeah, you should, you should just do all three of those. You should just do all three of them. You can't I, you know, I would cut favor culling growing around in favor of Melanie's Marvelous Measles because, yeah, we, I would say the anti-vax thing is way more toxic than, yeah. you know, you know, try to remain childish in some ways 
which can hold true in some cases, but... I don't know. Should we cut Ho Tactics instead? Oh, maybe. Ho Tactics is just about... The consent issue and the cl- and the yeah. being upfront is the my problem with hotel manipulating men to you know pay for dinner and drinks and whatever you can get them to pay for and promising um, sex without ever really delivering but then maybe accidentally delivering and still making that yeah. work in your favor and the whole idea is to treat dating like a job basically yeah um and I understand that's pretty toxic. Yeah. Because it's just spreading around bad vibes. Yeah, because it's not generally. Because the thing, the problem is that it's not sex work where you're up front with the fact that, like, you're providing, uh, or I won't even say sex work because sometimes, you know, you can just provide company or whatever to someone and it not be sexual. Um, But let's just say sex work to make it easier. Like, at least with that kind of stuff, everyone is very upfront that this is a paid service. There are no feelings. And um, it's not a personal relationship. Whereas with Ho Tactics, it instructs women to lie explicitly, to even lie about uh, previous sexual trauma and rape in order to get out of their other lies. So it encourages people. I I guess it's targeted toward women, but, you know, it, it could be used, I think, by anyone, really, who was looking to really defraud people and i know a lot of people believe that this is um it's sort of the method for you know women to sort of get back at men for being trash for so long because it's it's written by a man but he's still coming from the perspective of like well hey men are trash and you should just take advantage of them because they're easily manipulated which is also toxic in the land of you know any sort of interaction you could say. Yeah. And and again, it's like, if you're going to request money from someone in exchange for social or sexual favors, you need to be honest about that. I tricking people is not again. There is, we all live within a fucking social contract. (laughs) And I think breaking that society, limited society here. Yeah. And I think breaking that by explicitly lying to people I just, why? What What is the point I, of that? Yeah. And I would say that's more toxic than what's happening in Growing Around. So I would honestly cut yeah. Growing Around from this list and leave us with our top three. <sighs> okay. All right. Let's do it. Of um, Ho Tactics all in a row and Mar- Melanie's Marvelous Measles. Yeah. And I also think it's worse because Ho Tactics is aimed at adults who are presumably grown and <laughs> can affect others, I think, in maybe worse ways. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad argument, but... Growing around certainly does have a toxic message and is is bad, but not as bad as these other three, which yeah. like basically are like, hey, lie to people. Um, uh, me- mentally neurodivergent people are you know complete wild animals sometimes that, that need to be tamed and, and that ruin families. Yeah, and then just general anti vaxness which are just three horrifying shades of human behavior. I yeah, would say. and I ranking don't... one above the other almost feels like I can, almost might wrong. not want to crown a number one here because these are all just horrendous in terms of. Well, if we go for body count, I think Melanie's marvelous measles wins because that could that actually lead to it. death. So I'm going to put that and, at and number it has one. Been. So you know what? I might agree with you there in that this is the one that could potentially do the most damage. And then all in a row because, man, people don't need any more bad press for folks who are not neurotypical. That shit pisses me off. And then Ho Tactics at number three. um, Sure. Just because 
I can understand maybe why uh, uh, Adam Adam in the chat says they all need to be thrown into a fire. I agree. <laughs> um, Ho tactics just because I can I can maybe see why in very extreme circumstances why you may not want to be upfront about sure that like perhaps we're talking human trafficking we're talking people in serious poverty and difficult situations who maybe can't be upfront about the fact that they're trying to grift to get by so that's why I wouldn't put that quite at number one but I think it's aimed at your just regular ass person and that's why it's really terrible so all right there we have it congratulations all right most toxic message uh give it up for melanie's marvelous measles measles the uh child anti-vax cartoon book uh followed by all in a row for number two the play about people with autism uh that cast them in a terrible light and finally ho tactics the book that encourages you to lie to get some cool headphones all right (laughs) and all right on your rent page category uh, all right. On to the next one, Paris. Worst editing or proofreading. We have nominee number one, the Maradonia series, Selfie Showdown, The Woman You Marry, I'm Living But Not Alive, Moon People 1 and 2. Chris, number one is The Woman You Marry. Uh, all right, great. We can go to the next <laughs> category. <laughs> Done. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, yes selfie showdowns up there too i guess but like the woman you marry I, you know, I do remember way more like horrendous misspellings and proofreading and there were, from the woman you marry there were sentences that straight up we couldn't even puzzle the meaning of it was like <laughs> i don't true. know what this is that's so true. that's just easily number one i think two and three are gonna be a little harder to pick um you know, I think Moon People might be the first cut here in terms of oh, like, I was that came say, off I'm living, really silly. I'm living, but I'm not alive, I think, might be the first cut. Yeah, both of those are very silly, but I mean, yeah. I remember I'm living, but I'm not alive having a lot of misspellings. Yeah. And so, but like, Selfie Showdown was also in that same area in terms of like raw amounts of misspellings. Yeah, it's kind of These all just have like ludicrous dialogue, essentially, which is my major issue with all of them. Yeah. uh... But at least Moon People was like not as misspelled as some of the other ones. Uh... It was just like the really corny ass situations that would come up with this one scientist being taken to the moon and like then, you know, this and then and then and then we made love. Then we watched First Contact, I don't know, whatever movie they watched. (laughs) We ate popcorn. We had chicken for dinner. It was I actually think that that's pretty bad. I'm living but I'm not alive at least had sentences that maybe sure, had clauses okay. in them okay yeah all uh, right. i so i would i would call that first okay you know what yeah i'll i'll agree with you uh, on that one selfie showdown was really bad but it's been a while i can just summon these at will actually the well the ones we have electronically sure. let me see if but I, like, can... I you probably won't have a lot of time to like flip through every last bit here to like really get the true impact that we had when we were reading it um, I, at this point, we should just consider like the Maradonia series as a whole. I think just in terms of like raw page that's count a, and yeah. not improving at all over the course of multiple books. That's a contender for sure for number two. I think I think Maradonia should be number two. Just because there's just no improvement over the course of that. And even yeah. regardless of who you think was writing that, whether you think it was Gloria's dad or Gloria, 
there should have been some more care taken into, you know, after your first one. Okay, I get it. It's your first try here. But maybe the second one should have some improvement instead of literally just reposting that same intro classroom scene into all of them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, so Maradonius 2. I, I'm actually going to say that Moon People was worse than Selfie Showdown because I, I opened the file and it's stupid, but it's this is another thing that's written as a screenplay, actually. I kind of forgot about that. Um, it actually doesn't... I mean... It's more dumb dialogue and just uninteresting sentences rather than them being a total train wreck. So compared to to Moon People, it's really... Yeah, you know what? Yeah, this one might be a quick category for us, man. I mean, this is something that I'm passionate about, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, the woman you marry really was Oh, fuck me, that was crazy. Especially because it's like a bait and switch from like a real legitimate author that does better stories. I think that really propels it forward. It's like you could have at least done some editing and proofing to try and seem like that dude in some way. If you're trying to do this grift. All right, so worst editing proofreading, The Woman You Marry. Congratulations. Yeah. Such a quick award. We already knew it in our hearts, in our minds. Number two is the whole Maradonia series, and number three, uh, the Moon People series. So okay. here we are. All right, Chris. Oh, I love this category. This is a patron-recommended category. Chris, uh, take us away. Yeah. Okay, this category has a lot of nominees, so we're going to be culling uh, quite a bit. Just like get the reaping scythe out here. Um, this is most likely to become an off-Broadway musical. <laughs> nominees are Marked and Betrayed from the House of Night series, the Maradonia series, Holy Cow, Dark Star, Woman Worship, Crawfish Baby, The Stain of Time V2, more than a Trent Reznor biography, A Spectre is Haunting Texas, Warrior Cat, Too Far, Karnacki the Ghost Finder, The Eclipse of Darkness, Flashback, and The Adventures of Lord Iffy Boatris. This is a hell of so, a category. I just think... I mean, I, I can see we can, uh, some cuts we can immediately make here, Paris. All right, all right. What are your immediate... What's your immediate sense? What what immediately would, would not work? I mean, Woman Worship and Crawfish okay. Baby. Oh, like no! As. Crawfish Baby, Itsy Food and Jazz! And Calm and Dick Sucking, but <laughs> Seafood and Jazz! So but much like, jazz. What's the, like, how do you expand that into a show where it's just like this guy listened to jazz and then he met a guy in a grocery store and they sucked each other's dicks? Like that's <laughs> not a whole musical, Paris. It's maybe it's a one man show. Maybe he's telling us about his, his dick sucking. <laughs> that doesn't solve and... the length issue. <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> oh, but it has jazz elements. Okay, fine. This is all. Oh, yeah, one more for crawfish. If you're maybe, going with that, then fine. like the stain of time is where you go with that. Like where it's just like you know Trent Reznor's, you know, yeah. just nice oh, nails, yeah, based, like that's... weird shit. All right, oh, so, so oh, this is so good. Give, me some, give me some more cuts for you, Paris. Um, I think we can cut too far. Uh, that, I don't. I was just know. always. I only put that in because it already has music. Oh, explicitly right. written for it it could be a play but i don't think it would be a musical like i can't see the kids being like my mom's doing crack in the other room like i just can't really <laughs> see that happening let's so. go in the forest and have some hallucinations <laughs> yeah i don't think i can't it's two six-year-olds yeah that would be like more interstitial music that you like fade yes. into a play i think it could okay, be a, okay yeah we gotta make some quick cuts uh, here. Carnac- the ghost 
Ghost Finder is hilarious. Uh, that would be. I mean, there's. I mean, you would have to hire me to score it, obviously. Yes. Based on what I did. But I think there's a lot, like, that would be a real silly one to me. It would be like a parody almost, and like, that would be the source material, and you would have these wacky misadventures. With this is Karnaki so, just... this is so hard. I can see so many of these being terrible musicals that somehow okay. get popular. Like, we all remember, uh, what's the fucking space train one? Uh, <laughs> uh, Starlight Express? That's an abomination, oh, okay. and that's a musical that people go to see and pay for. Like, I mean... Oh, I, I just, I don't know. So many of these could be, could be musicals. Okay, well, let me give you some gut cuts here. Okay. Just like things that I, so like Warrior Cats and Holy Cow, and also a Spectre is Haunting Texas. Really? You don't While, see I mean, like, the, all three of those, I could see those, like, but not most likely. I Same would, with Marked. I would sooner cut Maradonia than cut those. Okay, so fine. Let's at least get rid of Maradonia okay. if we're both Good. in agreement on, on that one. Um... What else can I feel like? Flashback, Flashback? I'm going to cut. Yeah, I'm going to cut yeah, that Yeah, I mean, I just put that there because I just see the, the opportunity for some, like, butt-rocky, like, anti-Obama kind yeah. of shit happening there. Yes. But, like, not as likely as some of these other ones. Um, I, like, Eclipse of Darkness, That how do you even, <laughs> like, what do you do with that to make that a musical? Oh, yeah, you I mean, it was written as a screenplay. That's too high budget. <laughs> it was a screenplay, sure. Okay, but, like, yeah, you, we can. You we just can. cannot... Okay. You have to like give your entire audience like fucking ayahuasca for that to like <laughs> really go over. I really think I mean Warrior Cats could so easily become a musical, like a kids cat based musical, but we already have cats, so maybe people wouldn't yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, I think you're just feeling the cats mm, vibe from I there. am feeling the cats vibe. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna call Warrior Cats. I wish I was saying that about the series in itself. Um Okay, what about House of Night? I guess you know we have you know, like Harry Potter musicals and shit. And, That's why you know, I like, was thinking it would it would be a really good knockoff. Like maybe not off Broadway, maybe, maybe like three blocks away and take a right Broadway. Like really, okay, really off, off. All right, off. Let, how, let, let's see if like how about Holy Cow and A Spectre is Haunting Texas. Holy Those Cow, I, I think are we can we can we can less we can, likely we can cut Holy Cow, but I think that 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 could was David happen. Duchovny's like religious animal adventure well thing, he's, a mu- silly. he's a musician too so he could provide the music but again i think that would just be a play with some interstitial music and not a full-blown yeah. turkeys singing about how he's flying a plane you know um so yeah we're left with one two three four five six oh, here fuck. that could okay. all reasonably you know I, I i still feel a specter is haunting texas doesn't quite make the cut here in terms okay. of the other ones all right because like all the other ones like dark star has music in it true the true. whole freedom song thing happening there oh fuck you're um, right marked and betrayed has like something that could like you know feel better you know you know because we have a tradition of that kind i of think i'm happening. gonna cut karnaki because again that's another thing i could see being a play with some interstitial music but not a musical Sure, I, I was envisioning a sort of a wacky parody happening there. It, Adventures of the Lord Iffy Boat Risk, just because Bruce Dickinson could provide some, like, hyper-sexualized Iron Maiden tunes or yeah. something for that. I'm going to call like, that. That could be part of it here. So we're essentially left with All right. Mark slash Betrayed, Dark Star, The Stain of Time, and The Adventures of Lord Iffy Boat Risk. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, this is tough. Um... All three of those ones over there already, like besides March, already have like some kind of musical backing. I think at this point it's between the House of Night and Iffy Boatris in terms of what could become a musical. Oh, I don't think Lord Iffy Boatris could become a musical given its content. 
true. You know what? Yeah. So let's let's. I mean, yeah. that would just be a lot of like that would get huge boob props. Well, <laughs> right? and like, I mean, it's like it's just got a lot of sentiments in it that wouldn't fly even. Even if you use like Iron Maiden style stuff, it like it wouldn't mesh well. So yeah. then we've got our top three. All right, the House of Night series, Dark Star, Confessions of a you know a rock, a rock idol. idol. Yeah. If if you don't know what that book is, that was basically like a born again Christian kind of thing where this Marilyn Manson alike person like <laughs> renounced his demonic ways and found Christ, but not before his his fortune his on retainer fortune teller possessed him. To shoot, or she was pos- something about possession. Satan made him shoot someone. Yeah, Ma- yeah Satan a- made him shoot her. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah something yeah. like that. Oh, something like that. Man. And like I said, they all Christ. that has explicit music made for it. Honestly, Paris, I think I see my number one here. What is it? Which is the stain of time? Because the music would be good. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like the Nine Inch Nails vibe would fit with this weird shit that's happening there. <laughs> and that's I don't true. even know, I don't think Trent would ever like no. license that. So like the most likely question kind of. So if we're talking most likely, then it might be Dark Star. But I don't think that guy has the budget for it. I mean, none of these people do except maybe House of Night. Yeah. So I don't know. Most likely. Oh, yeah. I guess maybe the Saint of Time wouldn't be the most likely. You're right. So it'd probably be. I think. Oh, that's a tough. Oh, this it is tough. Likely. The House of Night series or Dark Star. I mean, it depends. The Stand on... Time would be the one I'd want to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, but most likely, right? Um, I think Marked Betrayed has the budget, but I don't know. True. Dark Dark Star might too, because there's a lot of rich, you know, like evangelicals that would yeah, bankroll that shit. There's funding happening there. Yeah. So, and I think that's explicitly more musical. It is. So I might give uh, it right. to Dark Star. All right, Paris, Dark Star. Actually. And then two is marked. And then, all right, most likely to become an off-Broadway musical, Dark Star Confessions of a Rock Idol. Congratulations. Uh, followed by number two, the House of Night series. That's uh, the Marked and the Betrayed episodes of Terrible Book Club. And then finally, three, Stain of Time version two, more than a Trent Reznor biography fabulous that was such a fun category thank you to i want to say martin i can't remember if it was martin or kieran one of our patrons i think it was martin thank you for that suggestion that was a really fun, that was a fun one that we hadn't thought of so that's most disappointing character arc uh i think this was also a, a listener suggestion um all right we got richard from the sort of truth series sally from growing around maya and joey from maradonia uh the guy from flashback and then the guy from Wild Animus. Uh, I can't remember their names. I think we can cut Flashback and Wild Animus. <laughs> yeah, just immediately have the top three over here. Well, because... I mean, Wild Animus is like his refusal to like, despite like doing on this like self-finding journey to even acknowledge the people that he was doing damage to. Yeah, but at least and, he like, dies making at the fear end. For... That's true. But then <laughs> at the same time, can't we say the same thing about Maya and Joey? Oh, that's right. Um... I think flashback. Like, I, that's, can go. The, that's the one thing I wanted to. Yeah, flashback. We can cut. I, I mean I that that character it. arc also sucked because I would say the three main character. I don't know. There was. Uh, I don't know if there was really any redemption there. Oh God! That's Actually, why it was now, disappointing though. Now I'm like, yeah. Now I'm wondering if I can even cut that one. I think we can cut Richard because we've only read three books and he's just kind of been the same in those three. I don't. 
he yeah, he just does get more and more powerful and which is dumb. a little bit more political. But yeah, maybe we should reserve judgment on that until because, we like yeah. read more into it. If we meet, read more into it, um, Sally from Growing Around again. There's only that one book, the uh, Party Panic. Growing Around Party Panic is the one we read. That was really disappointing because this is a child who is an abusive, cruel tyrant who learns nothing from her ways and thinks that she's actually right, and that that perspective is written as though it's correct. Like, yeah, I would uh, not cut. I would not cut that no. one from like the top three on this one. I might cut Maya and Joey because that's the same shit as like the hero's journey. I mean, they don't really. Oh, <laughs> they, hard. I mean, they kind of like learn and grow a little. Yeah. Like, you let's know. go. Let's go. Wild animus then. Fine. Okay. It's yeah. Wild animus is just. But he dies at the but end. But it's at least somewhat interesting in, yeah. in, in the way, like he just basically, you know, ruins himself. Let's say. Mm. Yeah, I actually would say that character arc is interesting because although it's she's a shit, like, um, it's not. It's very avant garde, right? You don't expect a character yeah. to do, to like kind of nosedive into hallucinogens and want to become a goat so that that was disappointing but at least an interesting disappointment um i would i would i would agree on that one okay so is it the fucking three amigos from flashback i forget their names it's like the grandfather the father and the kid from flashback um maya and joey from maradonia or sally from growing around I think I might say Sally Paris because like I was really hoping that you know out of all the stuff that she was putting her parents through, especially her mom, she would have some moment of clarity as to exactly what she was doing to them. Mm. But she does not. The whole resolution of the book is like, and then she had that party that that showed up that mayor character who was mm. mean to her, and that's it. So I I might give it to Sally on this one. Yeah, I might too. Although I do think the grandpa, dad, and son from Flashback are particularly heinous because they're explicitly racist and um, even like grow more racist over time. Because like the grandpa was like, "I'm a liberal professor that learned his lesson when the world went to shit," which sucks. Yeah, I, it's hard for me. Um, yeah, I think we can call or Maya and Joey can be number three. But sure. I think number yeah. two and one they, are going to be hard. Um, I just think because flashback is so re- relevant right now uh, and written in a way where even though it's fiction, it's based in a version of reality and it's based in real politics and real political opinions. Um, sure. Sally from Growing Around is bad, but it's a children's book and uh, fuck i don't know but i expect like i you know when you start flashback and you just read exactly where they're going you kind of expect those characters to not really like develop into like and then they found out that they actually had shitty ideas about different races that's whereas with sally you're kind of expecting her to somehow gain some empathy for her parents and she just does not yeah i agree with you from a children's book i definitely expect that i expect that to be a key part of the story that the child learns something and develops and Sally does not. So let's give it to number one and then number two. All right. Yeah. Most disappointing character arc, Sally from Growing Around. Congratulations. Yeah, the worst Sally. child. You're fucking um, awful. Uh, number two goes to the grandfather, dad, and son, the main characters from Flashback. And finally, Maya and Joey from Maradonia. 
it's not really disappointing that they just got fucking poisoned and died at that the end. That was the best. <laughs> best ending. Like, in terms of like what could have been done. Yeah, very disappointing. All right, the Mary Sue Award. I think this will also be quick. Um, yeah. We have uh, Monster Hunter International. Again, Maradonia getting nominated for all sorts of shit today. Uh, Marked and Betrayed, The Sword of Truth, and then finally Moon People. I already know what my number one is going to be. Um, I, I mean, Moon People is in there just because the author used some combination of like his real last name and other things. So it's literally <laughs> just like him in this context, I would say, of being a super cool scientist that figures out how to microwave Mars <laughs> and as a result can get laid a bunch. Yeah, it is. Oh, that's true. Um so that's, you know, pretty almost explicitly Mary Sue. Mm. But Marked and Betrayed was written by a mother-daughter team where they put the daughter in the main role. Uh, and they even use, like, the high school she went to, the town they actually live in. Um, sure. Or, or maybe not the high school. Uh, sorry, she obviously didn't go to a vampire high school. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, that, not that no, part. Sorry, I meant, I meant that they... Um, sorry, the, the, uh, the hobbies that the character yeah. has at the school are the same ones that the real daughter yeah. has. And so that, that really, that was pretty Mary Sue-ish. Um, the sort if, of if truth I would, f- I would call because I, yeah, I don't he's, know enough about Richard is more of like a political mouthpiece in the yeah. end more than a complete Mary Sue. I don't, I don't yeah. think that, um, good kind thought he was like the seeker of truth. All that, like maybe he was a little bit, but like not in the way that he thought he was like turbo powerful. Or like, you know, he could do the... You know. Although, looking at Terry Pratchett... Uh, Terry Pratchett. Uh, Terry Goodkind. How dare you? God, dare you? I'm sorry. Oh, oh Terrible, strike me down. Looking at yeah. Terry Goodkind, although RIP Terry Goodkind died this year. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Rip um, to a real one. Yeah. I mean, for all for all, for the fact that we didn't love his books, um, you know, he did make a lot of people fall in love with fantasy. But looking at his pictures, I was pretty sure that those S&M scenes were straight from some of his weekends. Just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, true. Like bald but guy I, wearing I mean, like tight like, black stuff. I was like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of like ridiculous Mary Sooness, not as up there as some of Definitely. these other ones here. Monster Hunter so International. The, the last, yeah, that's the last one we have to consider where, you know what? I might cut that one just because, yeah, very like obviously like, you know, tough guy, gun person. But Martial not arts. as explicitly the same as the man that or the people that wrote it, I should say, because, you know, House of Night was written by women um, as those other ones, I would say. Mm, I don't know. Monster Hunter International vehemently defends its Mary Sue-ness, which is why it kind of rises as cream mm, you know, to the top <laughs> of my Mary Sue crop here, because uh, there is a, an infamous blog entry that I think we read on the episode where the author... Uh, was responding to criticism that people people were like, oh, of course you made the main character who's supposed to be you married to this fantastically beautiful badass woman. And he's like, my wife really does look like that character. Blah, blah, blah. Like, he just got really, <laughs> really true. incensed about it. Uh, what was, was okay, it Bayonetta? I mean, was it? No, it was some other B-named black-haired femme fatale in action or super or superhero or fantasy yeah, shit mm. i don't remember but he was like my wife really does look like that and, and that kind of really just made me go yeah. and they had yeah there was just a lot of similarities there um i i you know it, oh, honestly for me then it's, it's between tough. marked and betrayed and moon people in terms yeah of, I, I might cut house of night because moon people that that was the dude right like mm, yeah i 
And like hobbies are one thing, but it's not as close as like literally naming the character similar to yourself. But the, remember they even, oh, I hate to talk about this because it's something that dry, riles me up, but they even were like, we have Native American heritage, so we made sure the main character had Native American heritage. And it's like this oh, big thing, yeah. like the mystical Native. I just think that's way more sinful, especially since the mother was like encouraging all the shit in her child co-author, which is a whole other bag of weird. Uh, I, I think that that might so be worse. people gets cut? Or Maradona? Oh, Maradona can't. I don't know. Does Maradona get cut? It's either Maradona or Moon People. Then I mean, yeah. Maradona. Like casting yourself in the movie is like is you know pretty. You know up that's there. that's pretty good. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's let's take out Moon People. Okay, fine. All right, it's, it's all the M's. <clears throat> wow, it was all M's for this one. Mm, for Mary Sue. Mary Sue. Mm, mm, uh, delicious Mary Sue soup for me. Mm. It's got all of my. Personal fluids. <laughs> That's Mary Sue's uh, soup. Um, okay, so... Just cry and bleed and come into this, bo- into this bowl. <laughs> and then heat it until 350 degrees using <laughs> your steel thermometer. Uh, anyway. So All is right. it... Well, what's the... Uh, what's, what's the number yeah, one? Yeah, the Mary's soup. All right, I think... Mm, this is so hard. I it think might be Monster, Hunter, Monster Hunter might be three, I think. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. And then the other two are going to be the, the harder ones to place. It might be Maradonia, Paris. But I feel like that that's like what everyone says. But marked and betrayed. Oh, but Maradonia, you're right. They did cast her in the fucking movie. All right, that's, that's it. You know, yeah, that's a, yeah that's, that's You got it. Yeah, that's you know, like You're Paris, right, you're it's right. The, it's the merriest of Sue's there. Chris, I, I, can't, we, I can't deny when you're right. At least with the House of Night, you can have the thing of, like, I don't actually think I'm a van... Well, I mean, you know, Gloria Tesh doesn't actually think she's an adventuring princess from another dimension or whatever, but it's just... mm, Yeah, I would go Maradonia, then Marked, and then Monster Hunter. All right, here we are. The Mary Sue Award does go to Maradonia. Maradonia Congratulations, Maradonia. Finally, you won something. Um, The second is Marked Betrayed, two books in the House of Night series. And then lastly, Monster Hunter International, whatever book we read from that. That's also a series. Interesting. That was um, just the name of the first book, too. Oh, right. All right. Uh, we only have two more categories left and then question time. So I think this will time out nicely. We've got about yeah. 45 minutes. I mean, we can always go longer than, than another yeah. 45, but that's what I portioned out. All right. This okay. is actually, a, so, I love this one. Chris made this one up. So, yeah. So, this is, um, you know, as you, if you've been listening to us for a while, we, you know that we're not a necessarily a huge fan of romance stuff or like sexy stuff where it's not needed, especially. So, uh, today we are presenting the Pepe Le Pew Needless Romance Award. Um, and the following are your nominees Moon People 1 and 2, Crabs, The Human Sacrifice, Book 6 in the Crab series. Marks and Betrayed from the House of Night series. The Angel War Fans. Oh. Too Far. Bear. Oh. Sleeping with the Fishes. Oh, this is tough. Wizard's First Rule and The Overton Window. Oh, my. Back, the first book we ever read. God, this is so hard. Paris, I immediately have some calls because they are explicitly <gasps> romance novels, and I don't think those should be considered for oh, the okay. needless romance. That's award. fine. Which one? Which which ones are you talking about? Which would about? be Sleeping with the Fishes and the Angel Warfangs. Like you're going to those books because you want that thing in there, and that's like explicitly all right, all right. the central you're, you're right. point. 
You're right. Of those right. of those books. That You're I right. Say. I get it. I'm calling. I'm calling. They're gone. <laughs> sorry, They're blacked out. <laughs> um. All right. Let's... I don't think that's the spirit of what, what's happening. I here. also think that that also disqualifies um, marked and betrayed because when you're reading a teen, uh, those books uh, are well, they, they are just knockoff Twilight, Sorry. right? Yeah, they, they're just you know store brand Twilight. Uh, but it's still actually no, I take that back. It's still needless because books for teens about. Magical adventure don't have to have romance in them, so never mind. I, I would back. agree. So you know what that that puts it in contention for yeah. me because I would I would almost much rather there were some young adult stuff without romance out there, just to like let them know that hey, yeah. it doesn't have to all come down to this. And yeah, that's the major reason for this category existing is that yes, fine, having a relationship and that kind of thing can be good, but it is not the requirement to have a you know fulfilling life. I would say. Yeah, and oh man, this is tough. Crabs, the Human Sacrifice, Book Six, and the Crab series—that really had some, some that needless, had needless sex ne- in it more yeah. than anything. But it was pulpy in a way that, like, me, you know, mm. right? Like, you kind of expect like violent, hyper violence, and like sexy stuff to be happening. Like, it was explicitly like a horror B movie kind of feel. Uh, I guess, but it's still needless. Like, true. It's- <laughs> like in in that genre, the sex is needless. I think. Um, Maybe I would cut Moon People because even though the romance was needless, it was so short and insignificant. And oh god, this is so hard. I would hard. say with Moon People, like you know, the it the almost the point of that those books is that the the main character is such a cool guy, and you, like you have to know that that like that's part of the deal mm. there in a way is like these stupid flirty scenes and yeah. dates. Oh, you so know it's what? not completely needless. You know what I would actually cut is bear because I actually think the bear romance yeah, is integral that to is, what makes just, the book weird the, and good. Yeah, the only angle I was concerning there was that it is with a bear. Yeah, I'm could gonna, you have like maybe have done that from another angle? Probably not. I, I just wanted bear to be sort of looked upon, but I would be willing yeah. to cut that as well. Just because it's it's um, so yeah. All right. Um, what about Wizard's First Rule or the Sword of Truth series entirely? All that romance is super needless. Why can't they just be a team? Why? Why? I would. Why? I mean, like so much of it is like centered around Richard and Kaylin's whole like they can't really do anything because she's a confessor. But then they can kind of because thing. reasons. Yeah. So. Uh, uh. I mean, yeah, let's keep that there oh, in the running, I would say. Too far would, is terrifying. Um, yeah, that one might be the most needless. Like, uh, that is a really high contender for me. Yeah, because... I would rather put that over Moon People or Crash. Oh, I agree. I agree. Let's let's move that. Let's let that rise up. To, to be clear, Too Far uh, reads as though it is a um, fantastical sort of dark romance in the Alaskan wilderness about two six-year-olds. Um, we received a comment on, on uh, that on YouTube that was along the lines of like, well, you really don't know kids if you think this is impossible. It's like, yeah, kids can have infatuations, sure. But the way it was written out seemed a little bit more adultly considered, let's say. It didn't ever yes. really trip into the realm of like sexual stuff all the time, I would say, but it got way too close. Yeah, and I know that you know, little kids will like just spontaneously take their clothes off and not think anything of it. But the problem was that these little kids were taking their clothes off and thinking about it, which is they're six. Like anyway, yeah. 
that, that's I, a really weird age range for that kind of thing. So yeah, it's completely needless. And the other reason I dislike that is because honestly, I thought the book overall was surprisingly good, especially coming from Rich Shapiro, who yeah. brought us such trash as Wild Animus. I actually was like, you know, this isn't a this isn't that terrible of a book. Um, but the the problem for me is that why do children of opposite genders always have to be in love and little baby couples when they're kids? Why can't they just yeah. be friends and have a close friendship? I don't appreciate I that agree. it went too f- it went too far. Uh, maybe yes. that was the point. We I made don't that joke know. on the episode yes, as well. Yes, we but... did. So that one, yeah, I did. Feel That's like... a top contender for me. Yeah, the romance is pretty needless. Um, I think we could cut crabs. Yeah, because that's like fine. that's I gotta, just I gotta agree shit. To something. Like, it, yeah. It's not like the story would have been made better with the inclusion. That's a good uh, point. That's exclusion. A, that's a really good point to consider. Yeah, you're right. Even if that if that had been removed, it wouldn't have changed the overall helped fabric me. of the book at yeah. all. Wouldn't have helped it become better. So okay, good, good call, good call, Chris. All right, we're down to five. Getting there. Um, I think the Overton window, like. While, uh, you know, that's a very by-the-numbers sort of, like, thriller kind of stuff there. And, like, yes, the, the, the romance is very hackneyed and needless for sure. Like, the like the main character walks in, in on this, like, lady, like, putting a flyer up for her weird, like, political but it is, activism group. But it is integral to the plot. her butt the whole time. It is yeah. integral to the plot because she turns out to be a double agent. So we can, I guess, get rid of that one. Yeah. Although I, I don't I don't love the trope of, like all female double agents have to fuck people. But unfortunately, sure. it, if you've ever watched The Americans, it does seem like that is a very important part of being sure. a spy. So yeah. we can we can call that. All right, down to four, down to four, down to four. We can do okay. this. All right. So I guess, you know, for me, it, it's actually between like moon people's just like because it's just so dopey on the whole. Mm. And like, like you said, it's there really... to serve the white male power fantasy. Which sure, is like, yeah, like... Which is a that's another sin. case where like removing the romance doesn't necessarily. I mean, it might make it a little better. Yeah, actually, I don't. Yeah, it might. It might improve. I would say it would be improved if we didn't have the romance angle. Um, Marked and betrayed. I think definitely. Like, even though you're removing pro- ostensibly a big selling point of that series is like the, you know, uh, she's got a lot of boyfriends to juggle. Like, eh. mm. I, I just think it's. It I, be... I just want a young adult series that does not have that as like a yep. central point. And you could have like at least sort of taken yourself away from Twilight in that way. Yes. By not having that be a central tenant. All right. So let's cut Wizard's First Rule because as much as I hate that. The, the, the romantic angle between Richard and Caitlin is like, you know, the axis by which all things turn around in that series. Which makes it really bad. But um I also understand that a lot of people expect that from heroes journeys. Oh God. No, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think we would, I'm trying to justify why I would cut that one. Um, you're right though. I, the, the tension with the confessor stuff wouldn't be, it wouldn't be there if we didn't have the love story. So it is necessary. Yeah. I'm going to cut it. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Done. All right. So we're, we're down, down to our top three here. Too far, Moon People, and Moon, Moon People's number three. I think that's yeah. clear. And then two is marked, and then one is too far. Yeah, or... too far. I I would say it. It's between the the weird child romance vibes and too far, and wanting to remove romance from a young adult series for fucking once. You know, maybe you're right. Maybe marked portrayed should be. Yeah, 
let's make let's make marked and betrayed number one and then too far number two just because i don't think too far anyway there, so I, I in too far you could have some of that childlike infatuation angle mm -hmm. being played up yeah. there and it would still make sense with marked and betrayed like i think you could remove the boyfriend angles or at least like really minimize it yeah and you would have something a little bit more interesting and just have it be vampire harry potter and not vampire harry potter twilight like yes all right so the pepe Le Pew needless romance award goes to marked trade the house Even of night like series a point of that series but again it's because every teen novel is like let's have boyfriend girlfriend stuff yeah i'm like kind of awarding this to the ya genre as a whole <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and then number two, too far because the uh, child, the six-year-old's got a little too adult in parts of that. And then number three, moon people wanted to because uh, it, it, again, it was just like this book that was barely a book and yet still needed to be a, a white male power fantasy because women needed yeah. to have you a thing. over him for his Mars microwaves. <laughs> See, I made you a nice tasty hot Mars straight from the microwave. Straight from the space-o wave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. And our final category, worst nonfiction. So this is a fun one. These are all uh, either instructional or true stories from people's lives, like memoirs, or um, I think those are the only types we have, instructional yeah, just or generally memoirs. Yeah. yeah, something that was meant to be, you know, somewhat instructive or, you know, give you tips or... All right. Uh, for worst nonfiction, our nominees are Crossing Over with John Edward, Bitchcraft, Chakra Crystals, a hidden book. Uh, actually, it was it was in episode thirty, but it's the fun fact TBC trivia is the one book not in a title in an episode. Uh, the Art of the Deal, Small Town Cop, Big City Crimes, The Beginner's Guide to Sex in the Afterlife. Super Mario Brothers 3, Brick by Brick. 101 Weapons for Women. Worst Ideas Ever, 42 Truly Terrible Decisions. And finally, When Trump Its Ring, The Battle, A True Story. All right. Ooh, these I mean, are some contenders for worst nonfiction. Oh, I, you know, hard. I've got a gut cut for you. All right. right what's your gut? What's your gut cut? It might be 101 Weapons for Women. While it has some stupid advice in there, it's not all terrible. That's true. It, it, that's true. It, it does allow you to get a little creative. Uh, and out of all of these, probably has some of the most practical advice. I was going to say, yeah, you're probably right. Okay. All right. We'll call 101 Weapons for Women. Good. Good gut cut. Um, Worst ideas ever also, like... Yeah, that was just bad. That well, was just, not, like, Austin, a listicle. Yeah, it was just, like, very poorly researched, but it's not some of the worst nonfiction that we've seen. Yeah. It was really just a long-form BuzzFeed article, which can amuse some people somewhere, I suppose. Yeah. Um, let's see. Small Town Cop Big City Crimes just kind of read, like... I mean, it was bad. For, for me... The things that are really bad are the instructional ones that will actually affect your life as the reader. Whereas the memoirs are terrible, but they're not going to, they're not telling me to do something that might be bad. So I think True. we can cut 
small town cop and when trumpets ring ring just because that's not convincing anybody of anything um it is like when trumpets ring though is like a tough read yeah like in terms of trying to get through it that's true that is like some bad reading i think i would also cut super mario brothers 3 brick by brick because i don't think you know that wasn't telling you to do anything bad it's just a guy's memoir it was was really boring and poorly researched it was like super boring and poorly researched what was it's probably one of the ones that i would definitely it like all the like stuff in there about like nintendo was like apocryphal a lot of the time and like not necessarily confirmed or anything oh okay true i didn't remember that good call um yeah so Um, i think we i also think it was just i don't know i felt like the author (sighs) he was trying to write a heartfelt book about something that really mattered to him you know his life definitely more well done than some of these other things and that's like a yeah. you know very <laughs> i'm stretching the idea of that yeah because it's super fucking boring to read about your specific button presses while you go through super mario 3 dude like yeah. i don't understand why anyone would want to read that even amongst like some of the other stuff in here very but bad I think that's an, framing convention but yeah the, the, not as not as bad as the rest so we'll an call easier that. read than when trumpets ring oh for sure um Okay, chocolate uh, crystals. That one was tough because that's another one where this woman, I think with a doctorate or maybe dual doctorates, was charging people to ask her questions about oh, crystal charging. The, the consultation fees were outrageous, if I remember. Yeah, it was like one question answered via email, $50. Like, okay. <laughs> Or 150. It was especially it was when crazy. like the, the crystal choosing stuff was just like just feel it, bro. And it's like how is that advice? How why wouldn't that just be what you were doing anyway if you walked into a crystal store for the first time? Yeah, remember you gotta give your crystals baths and like tuck them in and stuff. But, but I, so the crystal weird. selection thing to me was by far the worst part. Where it was just like you'll just know, you just feel it out. Like how is this helpful? Yeah, I mean it definitely sucked, and I think it it could mislead people, but I don't think it outright went as far as being like, this yellow tourmaline will cure your cancer. You know, I don't think it went as far. It had into- some, like, this can heal certain things, but never, like, true disease, I think. Yeah. Maybe, like, fatigue or, like, symptoms of things it could mm-hmm. heal or help, but never, like, an actual, you know, proper medical procedure. I don't know. It's been so long since that was episode 30. That was a long-ass yeah. time ago. Um, All right, let's see if we can just cut from anything else from over here. Mm -hmm. Like, crossing over with John Edward, while, you know, definitely him taking advantage of people, you could say, and was, like, like presented as fairly straight-faced, it was, like, you know, a decent look at what he was doing behind the scenes in that show, in a way, right? Like... He claims that this is all super real and everything. But That's the, the thing time, I hate about it. I, I don't like that. While we're talking about that, I would like to dedicate the worst nonfiction section of this show to the late James Randi, one of my personal idols and um, formerly the leading skeptic and debunker of folks like John Edward, um, <laughs> who... Yeah, this one's for you, bud. ...make all these claims about things and take advantage of people's pain and people's confusion about life. Um, so RIP to the realist, James Randi. If you have not yeah. seen a do- the documentary about his life, you should. He's a wonderful man that He's did a lot of good. He's constantly dunking on charlatans his yeah. whole life. So like, just watch him do that on YouTube a handful of times and have mild faith in humanity. Well, and he himself is a magician, but he recognizes the difference between 
magic as entertainment and magic as um sure as a painful way to defraud people so yeah all right poor cheers cheers to james randy cheers to you bud Clink. Mm. all right what about anyway the art of the deal oh i mean that might be number one because donald trump was fucking president for four years <laughs> I, I think we should remove the context of that somewhat. In ter- like, we're talking about like worst done nonfiction, and like the ghostwriter was semi competent. It's just That's that he true. had trash fire to deal with. In ter- <laughs> where the whole point of the book was like just walk away and act like a prick and lie to people. That's really bad advice, though. It is, but it doesn't make it the worst nonfiction amongst here. Uh, I guess I would take that way over something like Crossing Over with John Edward, and I would take yeah. so many of these things over Crossing Over with John Edward in terms of worst nonfiction. So I would perhaps cut crossing over right now. I yeah, no, I I can't cut that one. I can't in good conscience cut it. Um I think we might be able to cut bitchcraft because I think as shitty as it was, it's it's not I can't decide if it was serious enough. I think it it's mostly pretty jokey, even though it True. was encouraging the reader to be really petty. I don't know that it goes so far as to tell you that you're going to... It doesn't tell you you're going to cure a disease with spells, which I think is really important. Whereas chakra crystals goes a little too far. Maybe that doesn't say sure. it's going to cure cancer, but it does say that like certain Sure, I would so, rather take a bitchcraft over chakra crystals because at least bitchcraft is somewhat tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, so we we can call bitchcraft. Um, okay. The Beginner's Guide to Sex in the Afterlife is, is a fucking thorn in my paw because it never tells us how to fuck while we're dead it doesn't deliver on the initial promise it's just this meandering guy who attended a philosophy 101 class once and is like a little bit of quantum mechanics a little bit everything's a dick and a pussy everything's one and a zero computers are vaginas and dicks and you're just like okay yes phallic and yonic symbols are everywhere we get it but what are you telling you're not telling us anything that that book is particularly enraging. At least if it had been someone okay. being like, "All right, when you're dead, have someone like put you in somewhere to help put your you ashes have... in this dildo." Yeah, I don't know. Anything would have been better than a than such a such an incorrect title. It didn't deliver on its promise. Okay. <sighs> All right. What about control everyone with hypnosis? That also is a problem because that also does not tell you anything about hypnosis. It's, it's, it's a At sales all. tactics thing of, like, just be nice to people. And it's also way too short. That might be a t- one of the top contenders for me. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That one was particularly I think bad. when trumpets ring, actually, so it, for us, we have to make a decision between that and the art of the deal in terms of Trump factor. Oh, you know what? I We should have put that one in most toxic message. I kind of, we both fucked up there. Oh, well. Anyway. Eh, t- yeah. Sorry, what were you saying? I, we have to make a choice between the art of the deal and when trumpets ring in terms of like the Trump effects. Like I think one of those would have to go. Oh God. Okay. In terms of worst nonfiction. And I think this that you hard. actually cut the art of the deal because when trumpets ring is more incoherent in a way and more poorly done. Yeah. But what has the worst, le- what has worse influence? No one's going to read when trumpets ring. Is the art I mean, of the is deal influence, led is to influence the what Trump we're engaging by here. We're, it, the title is just worse to nonfiction. So it's just our interpretation of what is like the most poorly done. At least that's how I'm seeing not, it. Not, I don't think it, it, it's not necessarily the most poorly done. That can be a factor. Sure. Okay. I mean, because to me, nonfiction is something you consume that either instructs you or influences you to act in certain ways 
or it's just someone's true story, which I guess may may influence you somewhat, which is why I'm having trouble with these because the art of the deal, I mean, it produced the last four hell years uh, or, you know, at least gives you a window into that how that book happened. is like, I mean, I guess like, you know, for people buying what Trump is selling, it was well, a major factor. Well, and the ideas in the book are are what Trump basically used True. to ascend to his position. True. But then when Trumpets Ring is this really narrow-minded view on women's reproductive rights and but I think so few people will read that and it's also so difficult to get through that I don't think it's actually going to impact anyone. <laughs> All right, you know, I considering what else I'm seeing on this list, I might be I I'm willing to cut when All Trumpets right. Ring. All right. All right. So we're down to 5. Crossing over Chakra Crystals, The Art of the Deal, The Beginner's Guide to Sex in the Afterlife, and Control Everyone with Hypnosis, which two This is just a bunch of charlatans here right now, essentially, Paris. That's why. So I think we have to make a decision between, like, Chakra Crystals and The Beginner's Guide to Sex in the Afterlife. And maybe crossing over is like also part of that like same category of like, Okay, okay, here we go. Let's let's cut the beginner's guide to sex in the afterlife because it was so nothing that it it wouldn't actually do any it doesn't actually do anything. Whereas chakra crystals, I think someone could read and be like, I'm gonna put this stone on my boob and cure my breast cancer, which is bad. So I'm going to call the beginner's guide to sex in the afterlife. It's also it's also like semi-coherently done and like I think control everyone with hypnosis especially is one of those like oh, really right. like could have used like another round of editing or something. Another literally. several rounds of editing. Yeah, yes. I would say. So, we have to make one more cut before we come to our top 3. And Paris for me, I guess it's between chakra crystals and crossing over. Yeah, so I think believing in spirits is not as bad as believing in magic curing rocks. So I would cut crossing over. Um, even though I yeah, think that again, that can lead to sure. a lot of bad things. I think Ugh. with crossing over, it wasn't explicitly even... like The fact that I got something of behind the scenes on that show made it like a little bit interesting in comparison to these other ones, which just like the insights offered are almost insubstantive or just completely you know heinous in terms of the art of the deal. I mean, crossing, yeah. This is hard. I also don't have chakra crystals in front of me because that's a that's a physical one that I don't know if Chris. I think I have. I think I it's at my house. It. Oh, you have it. Um, I no, just actually, don't. No, it's at your place in um, Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah. Um. So you know, <sighs> I feel like crossing over is the cut here for the top okay. three. All right, the, let's uh, do it. The other ones, like just complete charlatanry I think, art of the deal is is just pushing like be an asshole to everyone chakra crystals makes you put your faith in something that is just complete woo woo and control everyone with hypnosis is just like putting this needless layer on top of be nice to people and make them trust you yeah so which is not hypnosis yeah it's definitely not hypnosis I feel like control everyone with his hypnosis might be number one just because it there's... yeah it 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 fails all things right it's yeah. badly done it it offers no actual substance in terms of what to do besides very self explanatory stuff and it goes way too far in terms of saying what it's actually doing right whereas at least with the art of the deal. <sighs> That's definitely a heinous one in terms of the effect on the world. Yeah. 
I think though, I'm trying to remember if there was any good advice in the book. I think there was. I think like I, there was like yourself. one or two pieces. Yeah, like yeah. It's okay. Which like yeah, there. I mean, there something about that worked out for Trump. You could say. All right, and then chakra crystals is the final one. All yeah. right, so. All right. Worst non-fiction. The James Randi Worst Nonfiction or Instructional Book Award goes to Control Everyone with Hypnosis. Congratulations, Control Everyone with Hypnosis. You uh, fucking suck. Number two, The Art of the Deal, and the number three, Shocker Crystals. All right. This concludes the first year of the Terrible Book Club Awards. Uh, I will it. I will make some uh, poorly photoshopped fake award images uh, for these books and I will post them on various social media places for you all to enjoy. Thank you so much to all of you who contributed to um, the categories, the suggestions, you know, nominations, uh, just all these things. We also got some questions from people that we're going to answer in a moment. So thanks for sticking with us. Um, I think I only banked another 20 minutes, but we might go a little over. So yeah, probably another 30 to 40 minutes, I'd estimate. Yeah, this is going to be a, a nice long one, I would say. We've done like three hour things before with Maradonia. So I think, you know, it's worth having these discussions here. Yeah. All right. So welcome to part three. So these are just some questions from listeners and also some from me and Chris. So, uh, Chris, is this a you question or is this from someone? Yeah, this was just something that I thought would be like, a, a you know, something of a jump off point for us. What book made me think the most? Yeah. Hmm. What book made you think the most? And not even necessarily like think good or but just like you had to ruminate on the longest. And this could be for any reason. And top contenders for me, honestly, and this is such a weird duo, would be Bear. Yeah, I was going to say And the Bear. Maradonia series. I mean, if we're talking about time spent, I mean, we read, what, four, three Maradon- three yeah, Maradonia books? Or technically Maradonia five? Me, I don't remember. Yeah, it was like one of the biggest ruminations on like, you know, in terms of bad art and like, should it be put out there? Just like mm. all the surrounding context of like, Gloria was a child and her parents might have pushed her into it. Like, is this worth diving into? Just because you know, yeah, there's, the, a, the there's major a lot fact- of nuance there. For yeah, sure. the major factor there was that you know she kept pushing that well into her adulthood. I would say it's a nice polar polar. <laughs> Please sponsor us. Sponsored by Polar Water. Relap in in terms of my uh, orange vanilla camera there. Polar. (laughs) Anyway, I would I would please God I would love a polar sponsorship. I that's possible. I don't know how. I don't know how. I I mean, hawk that stuff up and down. I already love it. Anyway, I was also going to say bear, but in terms of hours invested, Maradonia might be. Uh, that one really, like, the central point of this podcast really is like examining bad art. Does it have value in terms of like you know critical reception or like you know learning something from that? And even the lines we need to draw in terms of like what we critique for what reason. Mm. So I might give it to Maradonia in terms of m- most self reflection, in terms of like how I'm spending my time with this podcast. Uh, whereas Bear definitely had me gave me a lot to think about in terms of like some sort of you know angles of like how women have to deal with mediocre men a lot of the time throughout their life. Yeah, that. But was Maradonia a- might may have made me spend more overall time in terms of again the central point I feel of our podcast. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with you on both of those. And I mean, this isn't a thing where we have to like pick one. It's not the awards anymore. So I think saying Bear and Maradonia is fair. I think I also had to think a lot about um, 
I would say after the fact, I thought a lot about hoe tactics. True. Um, because Not we were getting, me, but... because we were getting so many criticisms on YouTube. Please feel free to check out those comments; they're pretty interesting. I started to wonder, you know, was are we wrong in some way um, about our take on this? And it made me think more critically about my attitudes towards um, sex work and towards people who. Like, like, kind of like I said when we were talking about hotactics earlier, you know, don't have the um, the safety to conveniently consider things like what's morally right. And again, I'm talking about people in really abusive yeah. situations, sex trafficking. You know, I mean, I can see that. I, I think we don't I, have to like crown a winner here, apparently. No, no, no. I, I'm, I think... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And and I also think even you know people people growing up in areas of the world or this country even where it's not as easy as you might think to go to Walmart and get a job or go to Burger King and just get a job. And maybe that's, maybe that's because you're a young woman and you're responsible for taking care of your siblings because you don't have parents or like, you know, and the schedule of a regular job doesn't work. And so you turn to schemes like this because you need to survive. So it definitely made me think more critically about all of the, um, situations where this might happen for folks and where I can't sit here and, you know, on my white lady middle-class high horse. Um, so I think I, yeah. I still stand by the part of my opinion where I say, like, I think people should do their best to be honest with others. Like if you are engaging in any kind of sex work, I think you should be upfront about it. But I under but I, I understand that there's more nuance to the types of people that might fall into this line of thinking and think that ho tactics is the option that they have. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that also, makes, yeah. that also made me think um, All right. a fair amount. Worthy mm -hmm. of consideration. I would, I would go, and this kind of segues into the next question we have here um, with Maradonia being the one that made me really think about my relationship to what I deem as bad art and how I'm consuming it and how I'm thinking about it and how I'm critiquing it. So the next question is, have we learned anything? Have we learned anything? Oh, I'm sure we've learned quite a bit. And to, yeah, to me, it, it, it's part of that bad art consumption. And the one thing I learned was to sort of like, even though I'm doing a podcast where I'm reading bad books all the time and I kind of have like, I like to look for like bad music and bad music videos. I need to really make sure I'm stabilizing that with the, you know, with ingesting and consuming good art, because if you you have to have this, at least this perspective where if, if I'm only consuming bad art, then even the stuff I'm creating, I let my bar sink lower because I'm so used to just all this crap all the time. And you need to like really make sure your consumption of the good stuff is outpacing or even, you know, at least somewhat matched with the, the bad stuff so that you have these comparative points to maintain. Like if the ratios get too far off me as an artist, especially, um, it, it can, I'm letting myself off the hook more, I feel like, because like, at least I'm not that, which is not what I want this podcast to be. Hilariously, I had a similar but opposite reaction because I am way too hard on myself all the time when it comes to my music I create or things I write or what have you. Um, and if anything, something I've learned from Terrible Book Club is that again, this is going to sound really simplistic, but for me, it's been really hard to embrace things like 
trying is worth it. Even if you get a terrible review on some, you know, dinky little podcast called the Terrible Book Club or a terrible album club or something like, you have to try because trying is the, making mistakes is the experience you need to be better. And again, I know that this sounds like basic ass shit that all of you already know, but for some people like me, it's very it's difficult. It's very difficult to get to that point. Um, and I've just learned that you can't, it's impossible to make something totally perfect in the way that you envisioned. I mean, for example, um, you know, I, <laughs> I was really nervous about doing guest vocals on um, an upcoming album for, for someone I know. Um, cause I was, cause the person who asked me to do it is like someone I really respect and idolize as a musician. And it was really, it's a high honor for me to be asked to do this. And I was so nervous about doing it wrong. You know, I came up with these initial ideas and they were good. And I spent weeks just sitting there trying to change them and make them more interesting. And I drove myself fucking crazy. And then finally I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go with what I had originally. And guess what? The person loved it and it's going to be on the record like that. And sometimes if you come up with something and it sounds good, I'm not saying to stop trying, but if you if you keep pushing and you're not happy, it's okay to just say, hey, this is pretty good and that's fine. Workshopping yep. things to death is is often, you know not the way to go and and that's something it's an example of something i've learned from this show you know when we look at these books i mean none of them have been 100 percent perfect but, but some of them have been great despite that you know like swamplandia and zarsor's bane and bear and um sure. i'm sure that i'm sorry i'm forgetting some others that were really good or even i mean even even things like um oh, the monkey book still life with monkey yeah. While that maybe wasn't a book for us, it's still a good book and it's got a lot of great elements in it, you know? So, yeah, I think something I've learned is to be kinder, to try to be kinder to myself. Don't get me wrong. I'm not there yet. I'm still a crazy perfectionist, yeah. but I'm getting better at being kinder to myself and being more accepting of, you know, a first or second or third try rather than killing myself for a perfection that isn't real. Yeah. Um, Nicely put, Paris, I yeah. will say. Thanks. Okay. Um, Our next question. Oh, this is the listener question. Yeah. Did any of the authors ever respond to our reviews and how were their reactions and replies? And yes, we have gotten author responses. We've yeah. We've a good handful, I would say. Not that um, many. I think we've only gotten four. Well, we've got Audubon's Watch. By George... <laughs> John Gregory Brown. John Gregory like Brown. That. Yeah, John Gregory Brown was our first response, and it was infamous. We got Mazeppa the Wolfhound. I forget that we man's name. Selfie, Selfie Showdown. Kelsey Co. was that guy. And we got Virus of Desire. Oh, yeah, that was a pleasant author. Yeah. Oh, and we actually, actually. Sorry. In the Dark in the House in the Dark of the Wood was also. That was just a Twitter reply, but it was still yeah, a reaction. Yeah, something. Yeah, and it was, and, you know, he was, he was happy that we were posting about his book. Um, uh, someone said in the chat, MK from high school says, I still feel kind of bad about that one. And I'm, I'm not sure which one they're referring to. Uh, oh, that is, that's Audubon's watch. Hello, MK. Thank you for oh. donating that one to the <laughs> terrible book club. No, that was a great read because it, it did. It was 
weird and strange ways, even though it was a, a you know. He was I, by far the the he was had the worst reaction out of all of the books that we've read. He sent a. Do you want to? I, I mean, I think we've talked about this before, but he sent us an email with every award nomination he'd ever received or gotten, and every it was good, some of good the review. most insecure thing, stuff I've ever seen. And that's even including the selfie showdown author who like commented on our Facebook was like, "Well, I'll become a patron, and then you'll see who's like really it or something." John even Brown was like offended. Yeah, and I I just thought that was so odd because he's an established author who has won awards for other books. I mean, we haven't read those other books, but he was Yeah, he sent us this email and it was like all these reviews and awards for other books he had written, not the one that we read, and I'm like Yeah, and like also, it's reasonable to think yeah, you could have written other better stuff. It's just we didn't like this one, bro. You didn't have to Yeah, and it's I mean and I can imagine some people would like this. If you like intensely purple sort of Victorian prose about, I don't know, fucked up romances and and a questionable death. I mean, I I can see how some people might like it. It just I we were not into it for a lot of reasons. And I think we brought up some really wholly unremarkable book in comparison to the other stuff that we've read. It was his reaction that propelled it into sort of a league of its own in terms of like memorable stuff i was just so shocked because again he was like he's a professional author so why would you reach out to this tiny show and try to we show your smaller big... back then yeah this was like when so he we must have even... had some kind of like google alert on his yes, name or yeah. something a lot a lot of people do but um oh uh turk turkaram <laughs> turkaram uh says in the chat it's not surprising as the writing community on twitter is incredibly toxic and defensive like that Good to know. Uh, <laughs> Why would this guy be on Twitter, though? He's like a writing prof- I mean, I guess. Oh, a lot. Maybe. No, Twitter is full of uh, literature stuff. That's why we have a sure. Twitter. Uh, I but, suppose. But yeah, I don't know. I was just surprised because then the, the lesser known amateur authors responded to us and actually weren't nearly as mean. I mean, the wolfhound guy was a little weird, but he was like, oh, my wife's really liberal. And she laughed and we watched it. We listened to it together. She really liked it. You know, obviously I had some. Some criticisms. These are all the things you were you were wrong he about. Got a little snooty there, but it was sure, nowhere but, near as like bad of a reaction. And and you know, and honestly, he was right. We were we were yeah. wrong about a lot of things. And yes, to to defend ourselves, it was because of the way they were written. It just sounded they didn't. They it's not like they were written with footnotes. It was just yeah. thrown into this story, and we couldn't tell if it was supposed to be fantasy or real. Uh, so anyway, but we were wrong about a lot of things that like, for example, we thought that p- humans could not breastfeed dogs. Turns out we're wrong. You want to breastfeed a puppy to save its life. You, you get them on your tit, get them on there. You'll save it. Uh, <laughs> it's not p- spread that advice around too much, Paris, but like, well, it, I technically mean, it's possible if you're in some kind of horrible situation. And- yes. Uh, I mean, there were just some other things too about, uh, about Wolfhound specifically and shit. I, I'm. The selfie Forgetting. showdown guy was just like so petty and stupid. I don't that... even remember what he said. It was just such a long message. I was like, it's going to take me so long to reply to this that it's not worth my time. It and was he, not. He was just like, you need to understand. I guess I could pull it up, but it's not worth it. Yeah. Um, And then we had the Virus of Desire author reach out to us. And that was so great. That was so fun. Um, He was actually kind of like, yeah, you guys nailed it. This was basically an insane art experiment on my thing. And you even guessed the method correctly. So yeah, props to Chris for that. I mean, it was an excellent interaction. 
Nie domki kredens. Nie domkięty kredens. Nie domkięty kredens. Oh, God, I can't do Polish. I'm so bad. But anyway, uh, they were lovely to talk to. And that was a really fun author interaction. All right. Yeah, um, even though he put out some crazy stuff into the world, like he was fully aware and he was like, yeah, you, the, the hilarious stuff you were laughing at, I was also laughing at. So you, you guys kind of got the point. Yeah, they said that they said that they had a great time listening to the episode. So that made us feel pretty okay. good. Um, Next question. What book could become decent with just some small changes? This is actually a question from a patron, I think, or a listener. Um, what book could become decent with just some small changes? I'm trying to I mean, there's wish- plenty of stuff that, like, are big changes that could, you know, mm. that would require, like, wholly coming back to the drawing board that come to mind. But, like, small changes are tougher ones, I would say, to sort of sell. And, I, I mean, mm. yeah, I that's, just- that's, yeah, that's tough to consider, I would say. Oh, I think because- Demon Pig is a great contender for that. I know Actually, just yeah, Demon Pig, Demon Pig it might be the one, honestly, just because, like, if you just leaned a little bit harder into the fantasy parody stuff, which was already there. Yeah, it just wasn't as explicit. If you just made it ex- explicitly more absurd, that would be a good one. Maybe um, even Aeon Legion, if you just, like, dialed yeah. back the anime just, like, a touch. Just, like, dial back that anime now just a little oh, bit. Oh, Chris, we forgot the Tuttle Twins and the Fate of the Future for a toxic message. Fuck. Oh, well. I don't think that, you know what, that would have happens. The, the, this is what happens yeah. when you reach 100 episodes. There's too much shit yeah. in your back catalog. You can't even remember what you did anymore. And you have to look at your own yeah. website to try to figure out what you I should think, be you talking know, about. Demon Pig might be up there. Yeah. Maybe even that You Suck book by, like, that. Yeah, like, I if agree. If you just turned down the horniness a little bit, there was enough silliness. Like, that was a parody that was pretty decent for what it was. You just, like, just turn the horny knob. Like, all of these just could be, like, taking one element and just, like, easing back a little bit or another element and just, like, turning that one up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, those would be think. my three pairs. I don't know if you have any other Those are those are great suggestions. I'm just scrolling through our back catalog to see if there's anything I'm forgetting about. Um Aeon Legion, I think, would have been the more serious one, like non-parody one to lean mm. into. Yeah. That one, like explicitly just like sword fightery anime stuff, but like at least it didn't have like bad romance subplots and it had it a strong com- female character who was kind of yeah. just strong on her own, and that was yeah, it had it had some potential, I agree. I think if you just made it, like I said, like a, a little bit less like here's a sword fight in school for time cops and they're sword fighting time cops. Um, it, um, it could have had a little bit, more, you know, ex- again, explicitly like YA kind of stuff there. But just, you know, having the the person in dark armor show up with two swords at the end was just like a little bit groan inducing in terms of like, oh, yeah, OK. Here's yeah, yeah. There was definitely obviously some stuff that was not great. Um, Sorry, I'm looking through. I'm having trouble. I mean, too far might even be up sure. there, too, for me, honestly. I think yeah. that if you just, again, turned the horny knob down on those six-year-olds a little bit uh, and <laughs> maybe made... And again, it wasn't up very high, but having the horny knob even on one for a book about six-year-olds is too high. Unless yeah. unless that's somehow important. I don't know. I just think that it had so much potential. I could have dialed that back for sure. I could have dialed that back for sure. So there's there's some answers. Um, yeah. There, I mean, there's so many things to consider, but like... the. the I think that's a good little swipe of like things that we think could have done better. Yeah, I agree. Okay, cool. So what's next? Um, Is there a type of book you would never read? This is also a listener question. There actually is a book in our catalog that I'm not going to tell you the name of because I don't want a patron to recommend it. Um, We became aware of it. 
Let me check. Where was I think origin? it was like a Reddit terrible cover post. Yes, it was. It was from uh, a terrible book Reddit of some kind, not ours, but some other like terrible book covers or, or titles or something. And um, it there were just so many layers that we couldn't stomach. Let's so yeah. To, let's just so to essentially. Just, how would you describe it, Paris? I can tell you the layers of this of sure. this shit cake. So your bottom layer is uh hardcore um BDSM and pet play. Like, like imprisonment. Imprisonment. Yeah. It it goes over the line of of play and goes to literal imprisonment. Like this is not like oh there's consent and it's a fun time. No, this is that. Yeah. Mm. Forced imprisonment, in addition to all that other stuff. I think there was bestiality or suggested bestiality. And there's also a race layer on top of that. Yeah, it was. It was just a lot. We we, kind of like went, we were almost ready to like start reading it. And then we got, we both like looked two pages and we were like, we cannot discuss this kind of. I mean, I think I'm not saying. At the time, we were both just like, this is going to take so much research and careful discussion, and we don't know that any of it can even be funny. Like, that that's the problem with something yeah. with all these layers of toxicity. I mean, if, if it can't be funny in any way, it's going to be I, hard for us to read for the show. Es- yeah, essentially, the thing that we definitely won't read is like way over the line hardcore erotica stuff that you know is like turbo problematic in so many we might like it in well, no, we, at- mm, i was gonna say we read uh we've actually we're recording out of order to take a, our winter traditional winter break so we've recorded the second the first and second episodes of next season and we do touch on something that has in really, that area, but nowhere near like yeah. the one we touched on was fourteen pages, so you can't get into much on that one. But yeah. like, just like the the depth of it in that particular thing is something that I don't think we'll touch much. And in terms of like other genres we won't read, I don't know, like engineering textbooks or something. Oh no, like, that'd be really interesting, really boring. But I mean, I think instead of type of book, that doesn't necessarily mean genre. We're actually we're trying to read books that aren't super long. Because there were so many times we'd get locked into these, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine hundred page books. And it's like, we, you know, this we read a book and record an episode every two weeks. It's a lot to keep yeah. on schedule. Um, yes, it's fun, but we have to make sure things are running on time and also make sure we have time for the music that we both do our day jobs and our partners mm-hmm. and friends and other hobbies that we have like cooking, you know, or what have you. So, um, I, I, yeah. I would say there, if there's a type of book we would never read, it's things that are really long. We, we do make exceptions here and there for patrons or when we have, um, a hole in the schedule, like a long enough period. So for example, sometimes we'll record several episodes back to back of short books and then we'll actually have a lot of time to read something longer. So once in a while we'll do longer ones, but we're not going to read like someone long ago recommended this book that was like almost a thousand pages. And I was like, we're never going to yeah, read that. It's just, I mean, there would have to be a really compelling reason. I guess I won't say ever, but it would be really difficult for us to start yeah. reading really long books all the time. I would agree. Yeah. All right. 
Harris, we're coming up on our last two questions here. Oh, okay. So this, this, I hope this is fun. So this is a question for both of us. So Chris, describe who and where you are right now. Is this at all who you thought you'd be and where you thought you'd be when we started this podcast in 2015? A pretty good question. I mean, ironically, 2020 is a year where, you know, if I had more opportunity to go out and be social with my friends, I would consider it one of my best years. Um, I'm somehow I'm surviving in my job, which is like one of the first things I'd expect to like be sacrificed in a pandemic like this, which is guitar instruction. I'm doing the kind of gig that I wanted to be doing like ever since I was in college, essentially I'm making better money than I ever have on it. Still not like the most I'd ever want, you know, not like the goal I'd like to reach, but like better than I thought I would be doing in 2015. That's for sure. Um, in terms of my art, like absolutely 20, like I was just starting to like do graveborn stuff and like other stuff musically in 2015. Like I started probably like 2013, 2014, mm. but like 2015 is like when I really started cooking and like, you know, there's definitely plenty of stuff since then that I look back on like, oh, that could have been done better. I could have, I should have put more effort into here. I should have considered this, but that growth has been a huge part of it. And where I am now as a musician, of course, you know, I could have been doing better, but Every year I feel myself getting sharper and sharper in terms of like, you know, my cycles of practice and creation and, you know, where I sit in terms of that thing. And also in general, in terms of just like my social relationships, I feel like I'm getting better about connecting with people um, and, you know, being empathizing with them in a way and trying, you know, making sure it's I'm not putting it all on them to reach out to me and making sure I'm putting the effort in and not expecting others to come to me all the time, which was a problem I had before. Yeah. What about you, Paris? I think that's a good answer, Chris. Or all of those are good answers, I guess. Um, let's see. Right now, well, yeah. Um, I mean, it feels almost wrong to say, but this year, like the last year, I would say, or year and a half, has been. I've had some really positive changes. Um, I think who and where I am right now. I mean, I have a job like day job that I really love. I, I work in data science now and it's the best job I've ever had. I have the best boss I've ever had. No shade to previous. You're awesome bosses. You're all awesome, but this one's real good. Um, I have great coworkers. Um, you know, even though there's always going to be some turmoil at work, I never, I would never want to leave this job. I feel like this is the job I want to do you know, um, unless I, I can't imagine a better opportunity really presenting itself, but, um, it would take a lot to make me want to leave this job. Um, you know, the, the company I work for is a, got a really good, um, I work for, I work in the nonprofit sector. So, you know, it's got a really good, it's a really good cause and I love the work that I do. So yeah, I mean, in 2015, I, I would not guess that, I would have such a great job and be so happy with it. Never. Cause in 2015, I think, I think I was still working at the aquarium. I think I was still managing people and it was, Oh, what a thankless job. You know, I mean, the aquarium is a good organization. I'm not saying not to support it or anything, but, um, working there was really difficult. Um, just the way that staff were treated and paid really bad. So I, I wouldn't, I would never guess that five years from, 
then, you know, I'd be in the situation that I am. I'm very fortunate. What about, like, your concilium and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, no, I'm like getting the there. I'm, I'm oh. comparing and contrasting each thing I'm going to talk about. <laughs> Thanks for ruining my flow. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, 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 it's fine. Um, so anyway, yeah, I like Chris was saying, I think we're both incredibly fortunate to still be employed, you know, for now. I mean, who the hell knows what's going to happen next year, but... Uh, and to have jobs that we always wanted, like I always wanted a job like this, like Chris is saying, and it's, it's really kind of wild to see things like that happen. I mean, and same for like Chris, uh, was just mentioning my band Concilium. I mean, we, you know, we, we put out an EP, uh, last summer in 2019 that honestly got far more attention and praise than any of us could have dreamed and you know we're a small band and kind of a small subgenre so it's not you know i don't want to sound like i'm self-aggrandizing i'm not i'm just saying that i'm really really grateful for the positive reviews we've gotten and for how pumped people are for our eventual music um i think a big thing to note is uh if it weren't for that ep and my work with the band i mean it's very personally fulfilling but it's how i met uh, my boyfriend, <laughs> uh, we both, this is a weird story and I don't want to go too long, but, um, we both were really in love with each other's music. Um, and strangely said as much on different YouTube streams of friends who were mutual friends. <laughs> so that's weird. Um, and then, you know, we fell in love with each other. I know that's kind of a crazy thing for, romance hatred paris to say um but it is something that happened this year it's why i'm in minneapolis right now um and that's <laughs> i mean i would never ever ever think that any of that would ever happen to me especially in 2015 wasn't a good year for me um a lot of the years after that weren't great either so it's like yeah i just feel like uh <laughs> Yeah, 2020 is fucking wild in a lot of good ways as well as bad. Um, otherwise, I mean, I would never imagine that Chris and I would still be doing this show. <laughs> Absolutely. And that kind of like segues into our final question. Here, yeah. Right? Like, I mean, especially since, um, you know, Chris, Chris and I stopped doing the show because we we got into a fight. Yep. We were not that, friends. We, ne- we never really revealed that for like a, a good portion of this. But the reason there was a terrible book club hiatus is... It was a big old fight, and we had fallen out. We did. Um, we just, uh, being roommates was just not working out, and I moved out. Uh, and, I mean, I, I think I'm I'm a big enough person to say that was a huge mistake, although I learned from it, so I don't think I would, I don't think I'd change it, because if I hadn't done it then, I would have just made that mistake later, you know. Sure. But, um, yeah, Chris and I had a falling out. We were We were not talking for months um a full year i would say was it a full year jesus yeah Christ. It, was a, it was close to it a year a long, it was a long time yeah i mean it must have been not quite a year because i remember we were planning to come back on air before january of 2017 obviously um yeah. but anyway you know we finally were like you know we're like both ready to admit that we were wrong and stupid about having this dumb fight um i mean this is yeah. So anyway, um, we decided, you know, we should really do the show again because 
it was a really great thing that people really liked and we stopped it for dumb reasons, you know, instead of just working out our differences like adults, we were just like, man, we're not going to talk to each other, which is fucking immature. I'm I'm honestly surprised at both of us (laughs) for, for how, for how shitty that was. Um, but anyway, it it had stupid, like, we're not going to get into the details of what exactly happened, but like, it was just, it's just dumb roommate shit. You know, I mean, it's like really, really in the end, stupid, dumb roommate shit. And anyway, um, I think that, you know, my, my question is how has our friendship changed over the course of the podcast? And I think we've become even better friends as the show has gone on. I mean, somehow we, we do this. We do this all the, you know, we talk about the terrible books we read. We, we have to think about sometimes really hard topics together and, and pick each other's brains about stuff. And it's really nice to have a friendship like that. I mean, I have other really good friends like, like Tris, Chris's roommate is my other best friend. And, um, but I, I do think that kind of always working out these kind of logic problems with someone and analyzing stuff with another person makes you a lot closer. So I don't Even know. just like working out logistic stuff, mm-hmm. like you know, that's like a thing that causes so many friendships to fall apart. Is when like you can have a casual conversation, but then as soon as you start bringing like spreadsheets and income <laughs> and work division into it, that's like, true. Surviving through that is also like a, a, a bond. Yeah, that... and and I think that our friendship in this podcast has actually improved our relationships with like our partners. I would agree. You know, and our other friends and how we kind of manage our own lives because the show makes a force, like Chris was saying, like spreadsheets and scheduling, it forces us to be really on top of things. Um, and, and I don't think it makes it less fun. It makes us more responsible and it yeah. makes us consider, you know, the other people in our lives who are, I mean, arguably more important than the podcast as much as we love it. For you know, sure. um, we've definitely had to make decisions to cancel recordings or jumble things around because you know, our, our various partners needed things or, or we had something important medically or whatever. Um, and yeah, I think overall, um, our friendship has changed by becoming better. And, um, and I think that has made us better people in turn. Isn't that what a friendship should be Paris? Yeah, it should. Um, so, wow, let's end on that fucking note. Um, if anyone in the chat, Paris, Oh, no. False. Get your polar. What are you doing with yeah, that Coke? I'm sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. Only life-giving water. Only instead. the life-giving flavor. Pomegranate apple. Cheers. Clink. Love you, dude. <laughs> Love you, too. Um, if anyone who is here on Twitch would like to ask us questions in the chat, feel free. We'll we'll hang out for a few more minutes before we close it uh, out gonna... with our with our yeah. patron I mean, rundown. Should... I mean, before we do that, you know, while, while you're cooking up your questions for us uh why don't we have a little segment here where i would like to talk about our goals for you know the next stretch here 2021 yeah um we did really well this year i think we've cleared 50k downloads across like all the platforms that we're on for the year and like that's pretty awesome i would say i would never imagine that i got anywhere close to that kind of number like you know maybe you could stretch it out like oh it's only over a year that you got that but whatever that's like crazy for just uh, two friends just yeah to stress this. like we're not we're not part of a ne- a podcasting network we don't have backing we don't have ads we don't have anything we're just two fucking people <laughs> doing this like and we're not other you know a lot of podcasts uh, become famous because their hosts are famous. We're not famous. Like we don't have followings of, of yeah, any kind. Yeah, our music doesn't even help that at all. No, like, it re- <laughs> I would say. <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't. So, 
Um, the fact that this has gained any traction at all, I mean, plus any in 2020 is yeah. just mind blowing. And I mean, we owe it to all of you who come to these yeah, things, exactly. who listen every two weeks or, you know, maybe you listen once a month, whatever, any, any time you spend on terrible book club has helped us grow the show. And it's great that we're at a point where we're self-sufficient. Like our, our patron donations help us fund the cost of books, both physical and electronic, depending on what it is. Um, our hosting, um, like media fees, like, sounds and stuff like uh so we have podcast hosting and then we also have to host stuff for patreon and all of that's paid for i mean it's not a lot like we're not rolling in and we're not making a profit on the show but that was never the intent i I feel the fact that the fact that we're financially self-sufficient is an incredible achievement for two random assholes from boston who yeah you know (laughs) and that's Uh, thanks to you thanks to you out there thank you everyone who's shared the show become a patron, you know, told a friend about it, you know, gave us a review or sent us a nice message. It's means more than anything to me. And it gives me the will to continue reading these terrible books and to try and expand the operation just a little bit more. So next year, I would like to try and reach 100K downloads. That's my dream for next year. I think that's very reasonable. I think we might be able to do it. We'll see. Yeah. Um, and we could do that with some further help from you guys. Just <laughs> yeah. let people know. Yeah, honestly, just telling people about it is great. Um, darn, what was I going to say? Uh, I've lost my train of thought. Um, I think we can just go straight to thanking the patrons. Yeah. It doesn't look like we're getting any extra chat questions here today. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, also, if yeah. anybody has um, questions afterward, you can just email us at terriblebookclub at gmail.com and we'll get back to you in a different format. Or, you you know, you can also contact us on Instagram, Facebook, Goodreads. Um, or Twitter, if you want to converse with us in any of those ways, it's also fine. Um, but for now, we should thank our patrons who make this all possible. So thank you to Dari, Greg, Will, Veronica, D, Lynn, Sinya, Yakub, Bobby Blackcat, Jensina, Mayocat, Elliot, Kieran, Martin, Jay, Scott, Luchek J again and CTAP1. Thank you all for supporting Thank the show. Thank you so, so much. Round of applause for you, my Yay. undying love and support. Thank you very much for helping us continue this operation where we dive further and further into the void of terrible books. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Chris was saying, every time we get a message from someone, um, you know, it's just... It makes me want to read the next book with even more fervor. It's great to hear from everyone um, who listens to the show. Um, if you want to help support the show, you can also become a patron. We have tiers of $1, $5, or $10 a month, depending on what you would like from us. $1 just gets you a, a little name shout out. $5 gets you um, access to all of our bonus content. And then at $10 a month, you can force us to read a book of your choosing once a year. Um, you can also subscribe and follow us on YouTube or any of the other platforms I mentioned, like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Goodreads. Um, you can also leave a review somewhere. That's cool. But like we said before, just tell people about us. That's fun. Um, yeah, I don't know that I have anything else to say nope. other than Paris, it's been the I best think. the best year so far for TBC. And I think the best year for both of us as people, which is nothing short of miraculous. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right, Paris. Well, Bon voyage for now, I suppose. We'll uh, we'll be seeing you back at a regularly scheduled time. We'll be taking a little bit of a recording break after this, but you will still be receiving Terrible Book Club every other Tuesday. Yep, until if we... I can keep up with the editing. I will. It'll yeah. be easy and breezy for me. 
Yeah, uh, until we tire of this. So um, again, if you want to contact us, feel free. But otherwise, thank you so much for joining us on this Saturday afternoon. Uh, We hope you're here for most of it, if not all of it. And we uh, look forward to delivering more terrible reviews to you in the future. All right. Bye, Paris. Bye, Chris. Bye, everybody. 